Welcome one and all to episode 35 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, Noah to George. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man, it's felt like feels like forever since we talked about I know. Star Wars. It, it feels like a couple of days since yeah. you and I have talked about Star Wars. And then I also called you on the phone the other day. And surprise, surprise, we talked about Star Wars. So <laughs> what do you know? So it's just every day, all day, every day. There's a we, there's a pattern emerging here. Hmm. If we could do a podcast once a day, I think we'd have enough content. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, if only we could have a podcast where we could talk about Star Wars. <laughs> oh, well, that too. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's here. It's right now. And boy, do we have a lot to discuss today. Um, we've got some casting news for the Ahsoka Tano TV show. Uh, we've got a release date for Bad Batch Season 2, a newly discovered look at the since-canceled Star Wars video game 1313, and to cap it all off, we're going to be talking about this week's episode of the book of Boba Fett titled The Return of the Mandalorian. Noah, we've got a full plate today. I mean, I am I'm sad that we have to talk about so much good news first because like... All day yesterday and all morning today, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to talk about the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> just, just absolutely itching like you had like chicken pox of, yeah. of, of, of Star Wars but discussion Star points. Wars fever. <laughs> Star Wars fever. That's a better way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. That's a, instead of being like, oh, it's like you got a uh, chicken pox. Ew, yes, gross. absolutely. Well, the cure for our Star Wars fever, Noah, is to talk about the cast of Ahsoka, which is ever-expanding and has just added a new name to the cast. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead has joined the cast officially. Well, not officially. StarWars.com has not reported it yet, so this isn't absolutely confirmed, but this right. does come to us from The Hollywood Reporter, which is a pretty legitimate news source, if you ask me. Um, Winstead is, of course, known for her roles in uh, various hit films like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Birds of Prey, uh, and a lot more TV and other movies. Uh, she's going to be joining the cast, which has included up to this point, as announced, uh, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, Hayden Christensen returning as Anakin Skywalker, Natasha Liu Bordizio as Sabine Wren, and Ivana Sakano as an undisclo uh, undisclosed role. So, Noah, mm -hmm. uh, this was uh, a little bit of older news. I believe actually last week we were, uh, recorded our episode and then it immediately broke after that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of how uh, how it goes around here. We didn't get to talk about it at the, this earlier week's episode because we just had so much stuff to discuss. But this is one of those big news stories that we just kind of had to talk about. So, Noah, what are your thoughts and your reactions to Mary Elizabeth Winstead joining the Ahsoka cast? Well, first of all, it's a name that I love to hear. A uh, huge fan of everything that she's in, um, mm -hmm. except for Kate. I have not seen Kate, even though I know that's like, yeah, it's I've heard it's I've heard it's pretty good. Like the, right. uh, the, the Netflix movie? Yes, yes. Yes, I have not seen that one either, but I am very familiar with a lot of her other uh, films yes. here, yeah. Um, personally, her small role in Swiss Army Man uh, was one of my first exposures uh, to Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And then after mm -hmm. that, actually, um, Final Destination 3 yeah. is like one of my so favorites of, yeah. th of that series. And she's awesome in it. So yeah. a name that I love to see. Um, and again, like it's one of those things that's like, you know, oh, who could she be? Who does she look like? Where would mm -hmm. she fit in in this story? Yeah. Um, I will say before we get into all of that, um, I am just glad that she's around uh, because I think that she, in a series that is clearly building up uh, the importance and the like 
the the presence of women in Star Wars and powerful mm-hmm. women in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, a name that comes to mind in terms of like you know good good powerful actresses that can play good powerful roles in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is definitely up there in the name. So that's like a huge plus for me that it even now we're seeing those shades of what this show is going to be in terms yeah. of, you know, it's, it's production side of it. Yeah. Yeah. It really seems like it's shaking up to be this real, uh, you know, presentation of, uh, women in star Wars and having this platform for them to be the showcase, because you're right. We've had shows like the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett with which both, you know, both uh, shows feature powerful female characters. Uh, but this is really the first time, um, in star Wars TV that we've had an entire television show, dedicated to you know this one female character yeah you know one could argue that ahsoka is the lead of the clone wars but it's also about a lot of different people and there's plenty of episodes that Ahsoka's not in you know but this is the first show where you know her name is on the desk so to speak and yeah. to build up a really impressive cast around her um is is only speaking towards you know the confidence that that disney and lucasfilm have in this series but yeah you're right i've i've i knew about uh, mary elizabeth Winstead a little bit before and I was looking at her um IMDB credits here and actually I think it the first thing that I would have known her for would be Sky High. Oh my uh, god. She, she plays right. Royal Pain in that movie. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, <laughs> Which, well like, that's that's it then. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. consciously I wasn't like, oh, who's that? I'm I like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that show and you know, as a kid, what what year was that? Like two thousand five. So I would have been like six years old. Uh and she plays kind of like the the you know not to spoil sky high uh but she plays <laughs> kind of like the villain oh you think she's like the the popular girlfriend but she's actually the the villain of the movie and i remember being like i am scared and attracted to her right now <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah final destination three it's my favorite um in the final destination series and she's uh, great in that um, but yeah, also a lot of other stuff like Scott Pilgrim, like I had mentioned, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, but also yeah. Birds of Prey. Um, I, I, thought I actually she was am a, a fan a, of Birds of Prey. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I think she is a standout in that cast. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited to see what she can bring uh, to this role. But I wanted to ask you about that. You know, at any time someone famous gets added to a Star Wars cast of any capacity, the next question fans always ask is, OK, who are they playing? And not just in a who is this new friendly face that we're going to meet, but who are they that I know of already? Yes. So when you think of, um, you know, what potential character could uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead be portraying, does your mind immediately go to what, you know, familiar face would she be portraying or, you know, is she somebody uh, fresh and new? Um, so <laughs> I think you, you know how I feel about this because we, we were able to talk about it a little bit when the news broke. Yeah. Um, but I just I have to I have to talk about it. Boy, <laughs> howdy, are there some horrible, horrible takes out there uh, from the Twitterverse? Uh, shocker, scroll, shocker, scr- I'm, yes, I'm, shocker! I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> scrolling through some of the replies on like the tweets announcing her, uh, like the, that are announcing uh, this news from the Hollywood Reporter or yeah. from Variety or from wherever. Um, there's going to be people that are like, oh, I hope she does this or, oh, I bet she's playing this. Um, so first bad take that I thought was funny that I like responded to and, and, you know, got a few, a few likes and comments back or whatever was somebody was like, oh, I bet she could play Sabine. Uh, and, and I just responded. I said, dude, like, 
Sabine's done been cast, my yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, which is just like, first of all, that's frustrating to me to see a bunch of like Star Wars fanboys that are like, oh, what about this? Where it's like, do you not... Yeah, this other accomplished actress has already been uh, very publicly, you know, announced as as this character. So, yes, that in and of itself, dumb. Uh, But the worst by far uh, was uh, somebody's take that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead would be portraying none other than Ahsoka in flashback (laughs) uh, as as 14, 15 year old Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, Yeah. First of all. Horrible take. Why? Uh, <laughs> especially having Rosario Dawson portraying Ahsoka, who is um, who, who's a person of color and and actually has features that that can still identify her as um, as a non-white person. Yeah. Uh, even underneath all of the makeup and the prosthetics, like she's she fits the bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Let's cast a. Uh, a white woman who is not even a decade younger than her yeah. uh, as her much, much younger counterpart. That's yeah. just a horrible, horrible take. Yeah. I, on the flip side of that, you know, as, as ridiculous as that is, I have seen some casting choices that if we are going to be talking about, um, you know, who could she be portraying that we know of? I did see some people point out that we might see her portray uh, Harrison Dula. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think is uh, a surprising pick as someone who is probably going to be in this series. So I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead, you know, isn't the first person that comes to mind as that character. Um, I think Hera might be a little older, right? In this, yeah. in this series. Um, but I also have seen some people uh, point her point to her as portraying maybe a, a younger Leia, like post return of the Jedi, which out of all of them, I think is one that is the most intriguing um, because, you know, I as much as I absolutely adore Carrie Fisher, obviously, um, and she is such an integral part of that character. You know, um, if we are going to get more Leia storytelling, I would much, much rather it be with just a different actor portraying the character versus some kind of situation like we got with Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian, where it's. You know, um, for, for myself, I found it a little hard to connect emotionally um, because I'm kind of just staring at this face the entire time, just wondering if my brain is able to even make that jump, you know, versus this is an actor portraying a character. And I know it's not Carrie Fisher. And I know that Carrie Fisher has passed away. Now I've already gotten over that, you know, and I can I can just kind of, you know, full send into this character, much like we saw with Solo and Donald Glover is, is Lando Calrissian. I'm just able to go off of their performance as an actor versus does this technology work as well as the performance? It's just like kind of this entire another leap and, and bound. And I've saw some people say, well, if it's going to be Leia, then it, you know, it should be her daughter, Billy Lord, which that's another thing. It's like, do you really want to make this poor girl like portray her deceased mother? You know, all that kind of stuff aside. Um, I think the the idea of having Leia in this series is a, is a very compelling one and something that I would love to see um, happen eventually in some uh, storytelling, comic book, book, something, is to see Ahsoka have a conversation with a Skywalker. 
Yeah. And yeah. they're able to have this exchange of stories and perspectives, especially post Return of the Jedi, to where someone like Luke, um, I think, would be a little bit more fitting. Um, and and you know what I'm going to say, but being able to tell Ahsoka, well, you know, he actually redeemed himself in the end, and he chose the right path, and he he didn't die a monster. You mm-hmm. know, um, I know Leia. We read about in Bloodline that she has this very complicated relationship with with Anakin and her father because she she knows that this happened, but her real only interaction with him is him torturing her and chasing her across the galaxy and trying to kill her, you know? Um, So that would be a bit of a different relationship. Um, But still, I think the idea of Winstead returning or, or, you know, joining this cast and portraying a character who we are already familiar with is a natural reaction from Star Wars fans. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at The Force Awakens when that cast was announced and Max von Cito was absolutely playing Boba Fett, you know, and you get all of these characters who, you know, fans want to see return and they they want these established actors or actresses to portray. It's natural. I get it. But for me, you know, if you look at the pattern of a lot of casting in the Star Wars TV shows, it's a lot of people who are playing new characters. You know, Pedro yeah. Pascal, Bill Burr, you know, uh, a, a bunch of other character actors in Carl Weathers are, are all portraying new characters. And yeah. this series does not entirely have to be, you know, consisting of people who are known, you know, to the Star Wars galaxy and to Star Wars fans. Um, but either of which I am excited to see. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is is very talented and funny, as we saw with Birds of Prey. Uh, and I'm sure whatever she does portray, I'm sure she's uh, going to knock it out of the park. I'm I'm very excited to see her play in the sandbox. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely in agreement there. My mind went to um, Naomi Aki mm-hmm. um, uh, playing Janna because it and that in and of itself is a little bit more frustrating. Yeah. Um, because there's like the idea that it's like okay we're getting the, we're getting a an, a non-white character uh and you know out of out of the few that we have in the sequel trilogy Star Wars you know live yeah. action stuff is she going to be related to Lando that's a frustrating question granted sure. uh the rise of skywalker doesn't really handle that very clearly which also yeah. sucks yeah. um but you're going to have stuff like that. So I get that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I could definitely see um, my mind went first to having her kind of play somebody that's connected to Thrawn. I always think of like Governor Price in yeah. Rebels and mm-hmm. having a character like that, which I would I would say granted, uh, Ivana Sokno uh, probably maybe fits the bill for somebody like that. Um, a little sure. bit better than Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So yeah, who knows? Um, I think I, uh, overall I would prefer, uh, her to be somebody new, somebody brand new. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, um, it's, it, it's, it's all goes down to, uh, uh, you know, how, how it's delivered and, and how it's handled. Of course, um, you could really say that with any sort of casting, but I have the, the, the fact of the matter is I have faith in a Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And if she is tasked with the impossible role of portraying Leia Organa, I'm, you know, confident that she can really deliver on that. Cause I think she kind of has that sass, uh, yeah. that, that, uh, Carrie Fisher brings to Leia. Um, and I'm really excited to see her um, play with some of these characters, whether she is a new or old character. Yeah, no, I'm in total agreement. Um, and we'll just we'll see. You, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, if you're if you're listening, you have our support. 
First of all, if you're listening, hello, welcome. Yes. Welcome <laughs> second to of all, Thanks for Second of all, we're uh, excited to see you and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on from there, Noah, we've got some news from Star Wars Insider, who has revealed that the next season of Star Wars The Bad Batch will arrive at some point this spring. Um, uh, the uh, uh, spring uh, conventionally covers anything between March and May, and just in regards to uh, the kind of the release calendar. Uh, so this could potentially line up with the first anniversary of the show's premiere, which was May 4th, or could arrive even earlier. Uh, so I know you and I were big fans of The Bad Batch, and we are very excited to see this show return. So excited. Uh, so you, truly excited. <laughs> are you surprised that we might get uh, re reunited with The Batch uh, earlier than May 4th, or maybe even on the uh, series anniversary here? I, I definitely expect this to be a series anniversary thing. Um, and and I, the reason I say that is not just because it's like, oh, yeah, of course, something Star Wars has to happen on May 4th. Here's the thing. One, looking at my calendar, May 4th is a Wednesday. So, like, we're golden there. Disney Plus release schedules, we're good. No nice. problems there. Yeah. Um, I will also say something important about The Bad Batch when it came out um, was that it really needed to generate interest. Um, it was mm -hmm. the first, it was the first kind of, I mean, Clone Wars Season 7 um, had its, I would say, had its, its area of, uh, of interest, but the Bad Batch was really kind of a, a step out onto the ledge um, yeah. for Disney Plus and for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, I could see May Fourth being something that uses that kind of "quote unquote" cultural importance um, mm -hmm. to further launch. Hey, the Bad Batch is coming back, and you know, get excited for this, even if you weren't before. Yeah. Um, I think that that is probably. Uh, I would say that's the most probable option in my opinion. Um, if it happens earlier, great. But I would say it's a little bit curious that if it does happen, maybe towards March or, uh, or April, uh, we haven't really seen anything else uh, about it. I would imagine that post-production stuff for an animated project um, is usually the, the kind of the brunt of the workforce. So yeah. I guess, you know, who knows when we'll see something. I would imagine that something is in the works right now, but it wouldn't surprise me that since we haven't really gotten images or, you know, any clips or trailers or whatever, or teasers, it, yeah. it would seem that it makes the most sense to, to happen around May 4th, if not on May 4th. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's funny when we hear that this is, is, you know, we get a release date, quote unquote. Yeah. It's like, that's what's surprising to me. Not even that. Oh, will it be on May 4th? Will it be before right. that? I'm just like, oh God, we, we finally get like an well, idea you got your wish. of you got when your this wish. show is coming out. You know, um, I talked about it last week with, with D23 and everything happening, but the, the, desperately, I understand the world is very insane right now. I yes. get it. Um, but I love knowing when I can look forward to things. And now with May 4th, other than it being just like a fun, you know, kind of Star Wars holiday, now I have something that I can actively look forward to mm -hmm. with The Bad Batch because I was such a big fan of the first season, surprisingly so. Uh, and I am excited to return with these characters. And yeah, I think it would be great. You know, the, the May 4th holiday is going to happen just before Star Wars Celebration. So, so that show can be in full swing um, while, that, uh, while that is all um, happening uh, over in uh, Anaheim. 
uh, just down the road from me, you know. And so if you want to talk about getting Star Wars fans excited, you know, hopefully the conversation on the, the you know, the, the, the floor of celebration can be, oh, are you are you watching Bad Batch or what do yeah. you think of this? And that can generate more buzz because I know there's plenty of Star Wars fans out there who maybe watch season seven of season seven of the Clone Wars or maybe even haven't started Clone Wars. And, you know, and this could be like a nice kind of entry point for them. And the Bad Batch, it's like, yeah, watch this these couple of episodes of the Clone Wars and then you can really dive in. No, you're not going to know who um, Echo is, but I, I still think that there is a lot of appeal there to even watching this show um, separate from that. So hopefully this can be kind of a nice discussion point for Celebration if it does come out May 4th, which is just like three or so weeks beforehand. So you'll have a, a nice couple of episodes under the belt there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just I'm thrilled to know that <laughs> we can at least have a season yes. of, this, of the year where this show is going to be coming out. Um, do you th- anticipate it really coming out anytime um, before then? Do you think we could really see it um, hit Disney Plus right after the Book of Boba Fett, or do you think we would have seen maybe a, a trailer or an official release window by then? I think when we're talking about like something like this versus something like Kenobi, um, this isn't something that they can drop and expect people to, you know, flock towards just in droves. Unfortunately, yeah. um, I wish it were because again, big fans over here. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's not something that if it just happened so soon, um, there would not be enough interest generated in it. I think um, sure. because it's 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 sad to see that even most Star Wars fans steer away from animation. We've talked about it before. Um, but again, I could see something like an animation panel happening at Star Wars Celebration that that brings in um, the interest yeah. towards things like that. Um, I, I will say it's hard to look at the year in, in like a timeline perspective and be like, okay, well, we know that uh, The Mandalorian Season 3 is happening at the end of the year. We know mm-hmm. Bad Batch will be taking place in the spring. What does this mean in terms of anything else that's happening that we know is happening this year? We have to fit in uh, yeah. Kenobi and Andor somewhere along the way, and that's going to run for eight weeks or so, you know, yeah. uh, six to eight weeks for for each of those. Um, so with the Book of Boba Fett wrapping up mid-February, um, it I will say it like it hurts my heart a little bit to know that there's that there is most likely going to be a gap from mid-February to may you know at the Mm -hmm. latest yeah um where we have a lot of other content to cover and i would imagine that those things don't uh cross release um again we don't really know this is a new unprecedented era of releasing so much content in one year in one ip so who knows um yeah i think that's that those are my thoughts yeah, I, you know, it's it's a great problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, where it's just like you're you're carrying this bushel, this cornucopia of content, and yeah. you're just like trying to make your way to the checkout, and it's just like spilling everywhere. But you know, you talked about that this show is going to end, you know, kind of end in in uh, February with the Book of Boba Fett, and yeah, we do have that kind of March time. But even if the show does come out in May. April, uh, we get Lego the Skywalker, Lego Star Wars the Skywalker Saga. So you know, it's it's we're not we're not starving. And again, you and I are from a generation, and there's people from an older generation too, to where it's like, no, I'm used to waiting for Star Wars stuff. You know, especially the older generation, to where it's like. 
after 83, you know, had some comic books and some t- and animated TV shows, but it's kind of it, kids. And then, you know, at around 2005, we had the Clone Wars going on, of course. But other than that, a couple of video games and, you know, not really much else. And But now it's, it's a completely different world to where we not only have a bunch of stuff coming out on Disney Plus for Star Wars, but Marvel, too. You mm-hmm. know, that time is going to go like that. It seems like just yesterday, the Bad Batch season one came out. So yeah. we are going to be getting so much content in the meantime time and i honestly don't mind a little bit of uh you know a breather there where i know marvel they have so much stuff there's like five tv series last yeah. year um you know it's like well what if ends and then right after that it's this uh, hawkeye and then yeah you've got eternals coming out you know at the same time and it's just so so much stuff to yeah. where i think it kind of leads to this mentality of of okay what's next but which i think is natural for star wars fans and and fans in general to be excited for the next thing but not at the the cost of enjoying and discussing the thing that you're you know that just ended or is currently going on to where i love being able to finish the book of boba fett and we're able to talk with friends and, and and other fans and really just digest fully what we the meal we just enjoyed as opposed to just continuing scarfing our face and going yeah. on to the next thing i kind of like that little waiting period because then i'm able to finish that meal of the book of boba fett that hearty meal and then get uh excited and get hungry for something yeah, else a couple you months know, later you're like i think i could i think i could eat again yeah you know? go a little bit of dessert you know yeah a little a little bit of um uh, a bad batch creme brulee or something well, like that. i do yeah. think that's a concept that <laughs> concept of you know what's the next thing i think we'll be yeah. talking about that towards the end of this episode for sure oh, for sure 100 percent. yeah um i i will also say um just a, a random random thought i do think that like uh so i i saw uh, earlier this week that marvel had pulled um season two of what if and secret invasion off of their release calendar for 2022 mm-hmm. um I am, it, it worries me. I know that it's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be kind of a departmental divide there. Um, Mm -hmm. but for Disney plus, I wonder how much influence, um, the overlords have on something like that and whether or not that's cause for concern for something like Andor and Kenobi that, you know, people are really excited for the Mandalorian season three and, and that has kind of a set window and people are really excited. You know, we're really excited for Bad Batch and now we have kind of a set window and where does that leave the other things that are going to fill up the space this year? Yeah. Is that any cause for concern, do you think? Not really, because I know Secret Invasion is just kind of starting production. Yeah. Um, I actually was able to have a lovely conversation um, with the writer of that show. And right. yeah, that show was, you know, when we were having that conversation, it was kind of just happening. And, you know, and and what if I imagine is still kind of in that pre-production phase where Obi-Wan and Andor, they're done. They've, they're in the can, you right. know, so they're on to the editing phase and are probably nearly done with a lot of that kind of stuff. And thankfully, because of the volume, a lot lot of those visual effects the heavy lifting is done on set but in, mm-hmm. in pre-production because they're able to, to to shoot with the volume and shoot practically so you don't have to worry about the rendering of all of these all of these uh virtual environments and and you know keying out certain people and you know rebrushing things back in and all that kind of stuff that goes into uh, all the special effects there obviously they're going to be able to they're going to have to touch up some things and i imagine there are plenty of special effects shots that are not you know done in camera uh but the still the that that um kind of process is expedited there um mm-hmm. but yeah it doesn't those shows being 
pulled or paused or whatever. It could be for a myriad of reasons where Obi-Wan and Andor, they're done, you know, um, they're, they're all wrapped up. So maybe other than some pickup shots or some reshoots to, to, you know, to some second unit stuff, maybe, I'm not terribly concerned about that, but, um, you know, when, when you hear these TV shows that are going to be delayed a little bit or, or whatever, I think that it gets to a point to where it's concerning, but for the most part, it just communicates to me, you know what, they're trying to make the best thing that they can. And if they need a little bit more time, great. Cause I don't want you to rush something yeah. that I'm really um, excited about, like with Andor, but especially with Obi-Wan, I am like, yes, please take your time. Take your time. We, we've been <laughs> yeah. waiting for, we've been waiting for, you know, the exactly. better part of 15 years. Years. Yeah, I can wait a couple of more months. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I'm thrilled uh, to return with the Bad Batch um, and, and and excited to uh, reunite with all of those characters there. Uh, and I, you know, can't wait until we get some 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 details on the show or a trailer, or a teaser trailer or something like that. And we will be sure to discuss that here. Um, but until then, we got a lot of other th- things to discuss, like some new footage. This is kind of hot off the presses here. Um, I'm getting this article uh, from Star Wars Newsnet, and they were um, had the 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 watchful eyes to to find this. Um, but it comes from the research team over at the Vault, who um, uncovered yet another very early um, kind of demo of the canceled Star Wars video game, Star Wars 1313. Uh, this was, of course, the project back in like the mid to early 2010s mm-hmm. um, that LucasArts was working on, uh, but Disney had shut down the company do for a lot of reasons, um, not the main of which there was a big company merger happening. They kind of had to value all the assets that they have. But one of the things that got lost in the shuffle was this video game, which claimed, you know, which seemed to be this game that players can control this original bounty hunter character. Uh, maybe Boba Fett ends up killing this character. Then then you're controlling Boba Fett. You're going around the lower levels of Coruscant, you know, and in the criminal underworld here. But we actually got a first kind of, uh, you know, n- not a first look at this game, but another uh, demo of this this game that could have been. Um, I included the link here in our show notes. Noah, did you get a chance to um, look at this footage here? I did. And I will say, I remember when this game was in talks. I remember yeah. this being like, uh, oh, this is going to be a thing. And and we've had probably since the 2010s, there's always been that kind of like Star Wars fans being like, oh, when are we going to get a, a single player bounty hunter game? When are we going to get get this, you know, yeah, Coruscant Underworld game? There was like a Coruscant, it like turned into like a underground Coruscant TV series at some point. And yeah. like has morphed into so many other things that eventually is, you know, we're picking apart the pieces and finding these things. But I do remember, I specifically remember this game being like in development uh, way back in the day. So it's interesting to see the footage and stuff because this is something that I would have played and probably would still play looking at like the little gameplay demo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I know what you're talking about where we had um, Star Wars Underworld, which was like the, you know, this like you're talking about this, you know, lower levels of Coruscant dealing with the scum and villainy of the galaxy. Um, And it's 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 crazy to look at something like that. And then, you know, the shows that we're getting now and the production, just see it's like it's, you know, not even close. Yeah. yeah. Um, Those shows, you know, it's it's it looks like a TV show, especially from like the 2010s or something like that. And then nowadays with 
of course, with television shows like Game of Thrones and, you know, and, and lots of these other very big, uh, high budget, you know, Walking Dead, stuff like that, where it's millions mm-hmm. and millions and millions of dollars that go into these shows. You know, it's crazy to see something like that. But yeah, this this video game, you know, looking at this footage and we've also seen some other demos come from, uh, you know, like the ground, it seems, where it just kind of like yeah. punches its little hand up and you're <laughs> like, oh, my God, there it is. But yeah, you never it's it's kind of fun i think it's fun looking at a game like this and just kind of wondering what if not in a not in a way that is you know putting down the types of games that we're getting nowadays because you know i think that a lot of star wars fans can have the tendency to do that especially when there's a certain movie that comes out that people are kind of divided on and then Mm -hmm. a script for that movie leaks and then people read that script and they go oh this is what could have been or what should have been you know, I think something like this, I see Star Wars fans being a little bit more um, playful about, light, lighthearted. Um, yeah. I'm sure that there are examples out there. But to me, seeing something like this is mostly just in good fun to where you go, oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, but hey, if you do want an actual Star Wars video game that you play as a bounty hunter, it exists. It's called Star Wars Bounty Hunter. <laughs> you play as Jango Fett and it came out on the GameCube, you know. Um, so there are games like that that exist in Knights of the Old Republic. You can be kind of a bounty hunter character or kind of do whatever you want. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, this type of game, they're probably is still a market in this. I would love to play a game like this. And we have that discussion or the, you know, the talks of a open world Star Wars game coming out. We don't really know what that's going to be, but maybe it is something similar because I think if anything, the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett have proven that people are interested in kind of the criminal underworld and fulfilling those bounties and just, you know, call me crazy, but I think the idea of playing Red Dead Redemption in space sounds pretty freaking sick, you know? Yeah. No, this is the thing is like you look at something like this footage and it immediately my first thought is, Oh, this is, this is like Assassin's Creed. This is when, yeah, this is when well, it's people, kind of a similar era. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is, this is when people loved Assassin's Creed. Um, mm-hmm. and you think about it now and it's like, okay, well, how has the industry changed to reflect whether or not people are interested in games like this? And I will say there's, there is a market for stuff like Red Red Redemption or something like Watch Dogs. There's a huge market for things like Watch Dogs, which Ubisoft yeah. has, uh, you know, basically made into its bread and butter of gameplay style that people mm-hmm. still love today. So that it doesn't really look to me like it would be, you know, oh, this could adapt into something like how we see Jedi Fallen Order play. It's a little bit different. It's got tweaks and things. Um, yeah. But it's such a specific market um, mm-hmm. that I feel like, you know, could have been very interesting. And I think we'll get some shades of that in, in maybe in something like Star Wars Eclipse or maybe in, you know, what we might get down the road uh, coming from, uh, EA that we talked about last time, you know, so yeah, who yeah, knows? Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's funny though. We got some, you know, some, some details, some rumors about the game, nothing confirmed, but you know, reading here, uh, Star Wars Newsnet's writes that like you will be, pr- uh, it's an open world game, 
Um, but oh, excuse me, it's a game that would open with this the the player controlling an original character, uh, only for him to be killed off by Boba Fett shortly afterwards. And then you play the rest of the game as Boba Fett. And I just think that that's hilarious. That it's like, oh yeah, you can be this cool new bounty hunter, and you can you know lay out your own destiny and your own journey, and you can make these tough decisions. Oh, never mind, he just got yeah, killed by bop, bop, bop. the popular never guy mind. that everybody that everybody knows. But you know, I get it. You you want to play a game, you want to play as Boba Fett and do yeah. Boba Fett stuff, but yeah, if we were to get a, a game like this, you know, I think I, you know, I don't mean to speak for you here, but yeah, being able to play as an original character and make those decisions like in a Red Dead Redemption uh, is far more appealing to me than being like, oh, I get to be Boba Fett or Django yeah. Fett or Bosk or Dengar or whoever. I, I would rather I know, be somebody maybe, original. Maybe that was their demographic that they were going for where, you know, somebody boots up the game and they're like, oh, who's this dummy? Why am I playing as the, oh, Boba Fett, you know, and it's like, uh, then, I don't, then they're I mean, happy. I, if that was their decision, look at something like Force Unleashed. That was a super popular game, and that is an original character. You know, God, maybe they should have had love, a little bit more faith. Oh, I love Force Unleashed. You know, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Force Unleashed. I know it's got its, it's got its quirks, uh, but yeah. I played both of those games uh, and smiled the whole time. So yeah, yeah, I I think a game like that could prove whether your what whatever your thoughts are on that game. I think it does prove though that. Original Star Wars characters are something that our fans can can really get behind and become something like a fave, a fave, excuse me, wow, a fan favorite <laughs> character like with um, Starkiller, you know, people yeah. still today. Dude was just added to Galaxy of Heroes, which, by the way, have you clocked in any time with that? You said I you were going to. I have not. I totally, oh my totally goodness. did not keep good on my promise there. What have you been doing? Getting COVID? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, maybe maybe you'll have time to um to 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 put some hours in, put some mileage in on that game. I want an update. No, I want. I will say having okay. So we're gonna talk about it in a little bit. Um, but Mm -hmm. uh, with the episode of the Book of Boba Fett, I said something like this uh, to Rachel when I watched the episode. She was kind of in and out of the room, uh, Mm -hmm. and I just like stopped her for a second because I had to go, you know, grab my my snack or something, and I said like. It's been a long time since I have been this happy as a Star Wars fan. Like, yeah, everything I'm seeing right now is making me so happy. So I'm in, I'm in enough of a mood to maybe reach out uh, to Galaxy of Heroes, uh, just to bring you down, right? <laughs> just to bring you right down, balance, balance me out, and say, well, pump the yeah. brakes there, Jimmy. Let's hold on a second. Maybe it's not all yeah, sunshine it's, um, and peaches, but we'll yeah, see. It's, we'll it's, see. It's. It's crazy to think how, you know, just in this episode alone, how much stuff that we're talking about that we're getting, you know? Yeah, this is an yeah. older video game, but just last week, we've got three video games coming from one studio, you know? That will Not to happen, mention all of sure. the other games. <laughs> Not to mention all the other games and TV shows and movies, question mark, you know, that we're getting. And, of course, books and comics and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we we truly do live in a like a time where it's like yeah i truly believe there's been no better time to be a star wars fan and it makes me sad that there are lots of star wars fans out there who are actively choosing not to kind of participate in this because really we're blessed noah blessed prayer hands blessed uh before we move on i i would say one last thing i'll show you my phone screen here if you can see okay um yes i'm just gonna click this real quick and uh let's let's wait for the uh there it is. I don't know if the audience can hear that, but uh, I I made good. I just downloaded Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes because I knew if I, if I left this episode without doing it, it would not happen. So I'm keeping I myself do, accountable. I wanna, 
You know, yeah, I want I know. a status we'll, check. We'll I want to know. Okay, good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, while you're putting in that time, Noah, we've got some Book of Boba Fett to discuss. Yeah, we've um, got a big, nearly hour long episode of the show. Um, the fan reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, uh, so much so that lots of people are saying it's one of the best Star Wars things that they've ever seen. Uh, one of the best episodes of Star Wars television ever. So much positive to talk around this episode. Um, I am so excited to discuss it here. Um, of course, we're going to do some spoiler-free thoughts. So if you haven't had a chance to um, to watch this episode here, you can go to the uh, description down there. There's some time codes that you can hop around and go to the spoiler-filled thoughts. If you want to skip all this nonsense, or if you you know if you're sticking around through the whole thing, welcome. We're happy to have you. Uh, but Noah, what did you think of the newest episode of the Book of Boba Fett? I feel like the title in and of itself is a bit of a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> but the, the return of the Mandalorian. You know, last week we we suspected that he was coming back and this week boy howdy is he so what were your thoughts on this newest episode well i'll say a few things first one uh this is the most notes that i've ever had in my phone for an episode of a show that we've talked about uh mm -hmm. you know bad batch and book of boba fett all included this is the most bullet points that i've had in notes that being said most of my notes um if i can be frank some of mm -hmm. them are just like Mando shit cool. Um, Forge bitch, yes. Uh, oh yeah. my God, yes. The, like, yeah, it's just those a lot of exclamation of points. <laughs> yeah, so I should have like, I should have put time codes because I'm reading some of these notes and I'm like, what the hell was I talking about in this no, part? No. But that was most That's of it. Was, I was like, I was sitting there watching it. I had my phone open for an hour straight just with my thumbs at the ready to like yeah. write down stuff. And I remember like, getting so frustrated while I was watching because I was trying to like write stuff down without looking at my phone because I yeah. didn't want to miss anything. And then I'd like yeah. take a peek at my, at my phone real quick. And I'm like, that, that's not what I meant to type at all. What is autocorrect doing? <laughs> I can't like look at my phone and type at the same time. Yeah. And like, yeah. I had to like backspace, pause the episode, type what I meant. Like it was just, there was so much, there's so much yeah. to take in. Um, this is one of those episodes that, um, like, if you have been here for everything, and I mean everything, if you've been here for everything, you are rewarded with like a cake made out of solid gold. Uh, <laughs> you don't get to eat it, but it sells It'll shatter for your teeth of on this cake. <laughs> yeah, it, but it, it, I'll tell you, it is worth a what a nine point two on IMDb or whatever it was. We were, yeah, we were yeah. talking about the the IMDb user scores, which you know. Rating rating TV episodes is hard, I will say, um, mm -hmm. because I don't know a single soul that will go out of their way to be like, oh, I got to put in my IMDb member rating for this episode of television. Um, but people yeah. are there. Whoever it is, they're rating it. And, you know, I think to sum up everything, spoiler free, uh, mm -hmm. this is it's it's so there's a duality in me that's like. This is some of the best stuff I've ever seen, um, yeah. just in recent years. Um, mm -hmm. And and again, this is the happiest that I've been as a Star Wars fan. The other part yeah. of me is I'm so worried that the goodness of this episode takes away from the fact that 
we'll just we'll just say it like this is not a Boba Fett centric episode. Um, yeah, I don't want people to point to this and say, "Look, the best episode of this Boba Fett show is not even about Boba Fett." That's yeah. what I'm worried about the most. But that's the cynic in me saying, "Like, I know that some people are maybe going to." You know, they should love this, but they tell themselves like, no, I'm angry at this thing for some reason. What can I mm-hmm. find to be angry about? And they'll point to something like this. So yeah. it scares me. But in this, like at the same time, this is, it's just so cool. It's, there's so much cool stuff that I'm so glad that <laughs> it's it like my relationship in. with Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Sky High. <laughs> it scares me, but I like it. <laughs> yes. No, everything comes back to Mary Elizabeth. No, no, actually I'll rephrase that. Everything comes back to Sky High. Um, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I, I will say like, there's, it, it almost scares me, but because I have grown to appreciate this show as some really good content, um, I think that this just makes it better for me. Am I worried about what other people are going to say? Absolutely. But for myself, I'm right where I need to be with my enjoyment of this show, even maybe yeah. a little bit above. Yeah. You know, I'm glad to hear that your your show notes are so lengthy because I'm looking at my Google Doc that I'm looking at right here and I've got four pages, double spaced. Yes, I know. But four Oof. pages of notes here, you know. Um, yeah. Watching a show like this, I like to... Since I, you know, I'm the, the the host of the show, I like to go in and not just put thoughts, but put uh, plot points. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've got a map for you here and you can just interject with your, ah, you know, your exclamation think, points. Yes, with, I, think, you know, I think that'll help yeah. me. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, when I watch the episode for the first time, I don't like to take notes. I like to just kind of focus in and let it affect me emotionally. And this episode by far out of any of the Disney plus era television shows was the one that captivated me the most. Absolutely. I was glued to this thing. And for most of it, I was, my facial expression was either mouth agape, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or smiling like a child. And I, I, I texted you uh, or put in our, our little friend group chat that this episode specifically felt like, John Favreau, Robert Rodriguez, and all the other people at, at Lucasfilm got together and were like, okay, what is a piece of content that we can make that specifically appeals to Garrett McDowell? Some <laughs> other people too, but specifically to him, because this episode has so much stuff that seems like it was like fabricated in a lab to be like my shit. Like yes, there is so absolutely. much stuff in this that like to a very specific degree is things that I love in star Wars, not even necessarily just thematic stuff, which we'll get into, but just details or references to other things that I'm just like, Oh my God, that makes me so happy. So I think an episode like this, you know, I, I, I've seen exactly what you were talking about. Um, if, uh, that, that fans are pointing to this and saying, oh, it's pretty telling that the best episode of The Book of Boba Fett doesn't even have Boba Fett in it. And something like that is just, it's its very frustrating to me because it's being, it's, it's, and they're seeing it as ammunition. They're seeing it as, I can't enjoy this, this new episode or this new thing 
without putting down something else and, and mm-hmm. using this as, as an example of how that's bad. People did it with the Mandalorian and, and then the movies, the sequel movies, they said, Oh, this is star Wars other than that other crap. And it's just, it's, it's so frustrating to me because yeah. I don't think people are able to just allow themselves to just enjoy that thing. And they're happy to put down other works or other things that are a lot of other people are enjoying. Like my, for myself, I'm loving the book of Boba Fett and you know, I watch an episode like this and I, I don't have that kind of like people are not going to like this. And I go on Twitter and they're still finding something to kind of bitch and moan about. It's, it's, it's kind of annoying, but you know, you had talked about how this episode does feel a little bit like, um, Mandalorian. It's now the Mandalorian. It's not necessarily the book of Boba Fett. And we kind of take this pit stop where for me, you know, something that I thought of immediately when this was over is, you know, not only was this show initially kind of described as the Mandalorian 2.5, um, but even if, you know, even though this show has really become something that I've really enjoyed and about a character that I didn't really care about before, but has now, now kind of recontextualized this character that I've known my entire Star Wars life, I think this this chapter in the book of Boba Fett, you know, capitalized book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. really reminds me of uh, of an interlude in a book to where you're reading the book. And you have all of these chapters, but then right in the middle, you have this other little chapter that is an interlude that doesn't seemingly have any narrative sort of uh, implications for what's happening. But if you'll if you'll read the entire story, it has a lot of thematic uh, implications to what's happening. I think of something in comic books too, or graphic novels, like in Watchmen. You know, uh, the entire story with the the, the pirate, like that oh entire God. thing. Yeah. You're, you're kind so of like, right. yeah. Nothing, what, why does why is the why is this important? But then you, when you have the entire context, you go, okay, I get it. I understand the importance of that. So we're not going to dive into all of the thematic connections, but I do feel that they are really here. But for, yeah. So yeah, this this didn't really bother me as where's Boba Fett? The the titular character is not in this, but I really saw it as an interlude to where the creator was just saying, hold on a second. Trust me here. We're going we're going we're going on this little journey. And if you'll you'll go with me, you'll you'll be rewarded. And I really do feel that fans are rewarded here because yeah, not only are there a ton of Easter eggs, but there 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 are references that I think are um not just being dangled in front of fans and hey, you remember this thing? Ha ha ha, nostalgia. But no, it's it's something that is important for the characters, is resonant for the characters, is something that we can learn from. If you're not picking up on the the Easter eggs and references, it doesn't matter. It's not a prerequisite. It's just, yeah, it's for it's for people like you or I to where there are so many categories of the Star Wars fandom that are referenced in this. We've got stuff from animation. We've got stuff from the prequels. We've got stuff from the original trilogy. We've got stuff from video games. You know, there's so much stuff that doesn't really matter what your entry point for Star Wars is. You will be rewarded. And not to say that fans are deserving of this rewarding, but it's still nice to when you 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 really gobble up all the Star Wars content that you can and then you watch mm-hmm. something like this and you're just able to really appreciate all of it because yeah like I said this does feel like something that was specifically made for my type of sensibilities and what I love in Star Wars which I understand is not always the point and there's so many different flavors of Star Wars that you can enjoy but the simple of the matter of the fact is this flavor 
was entirely for me. Like I yeah. absolutely loved this episode. It was such a joy and so, so fun to watch. I kind of had to like mute myself a little bit because I didn't <laughs> want to wake the neighbors or my roommate or anything like that. But I'm just watching this and I'm just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. It was yeah. tr- truly mind blowing. I, I think I said something similar to you when we, uh, when we talked on the phone where I was watching the episode by myself and my wife was, you know, doing other things, either on the phone or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there. I think um, I don't. Re- I don't think that she took a picture. But like, I was sitting there, uh, like on my futon, watching my show. I had a blanket on my shoulders, and I was sitting crisscross applesauce with my little Grogu in my lap, and I was like nice. holding him. Uh, and she was like, "Oh, I love that you love your Star Wars." And I was like, "I don't think you understand. <laughs> this is like." <laughs> This is this is some serious shit for me. And like yeah. there were points where she was like on the phone in the other room and I like had to cover my mouth because I was like, oh, my God, like out loud, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just it, stuff like it, that. It, it, it just really does remind me of, you know, when I was a kid, like sitting on my favorite chair or whatever and having my toys and having Star Wars on in the background. And yeah, this episode does have so much fun, pew, 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 excitement kind of things, but also has a lot of the deep shit, too. And and yeah. it has a lot of the thematic character stuff that is I emphatically say this is relevant to the show it's not yes. just hey get excited for mando season three. Oh yeah and then back to our regularly scheduled program no mm-hmm. it fits it's not a forced puzzle piece it naturally fits um you know what we're going to talk about in details everything that happens but you know but just for me right now and in, in in this this journey that the show has been on for me it was just and Mandalorian too, as well. That's been quite a journey for me as a fan as well. And, and, you know, to see everything culminate to this point is just, not only does it get me excited for, um, you know, how the show is going to conclude. We have two more episodes in this, in this series, but gets me so excited for the next season of Mandalorian. Like if this is the type of swings that they're taking and the caliber of these swings, you know, it's, I'm, I'm so thrilled. So you know, we can go ahead and dive on into spoiler thoughts, but before we do, where are your thumbs at? Because I, I think I, are, I think I know. <laughs> no, yeah, we we both are on the same page. Emphatic yeah. thumbs up, double thumbs yeah. up. If I had three thumbs, we'd be there. Um, yeah, because all of the thumbs that my body can produce are up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. No yeah, question so, about uh, it. Without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive on spoiler thoughts because I'm right there with you. I am uh, itching to talk about this episode. Uh, so this episode begins right with the Mandalorian uh, after he returned uh, Grogu to the Jedi. And we kind of pick back up with him. Uh, Could have been a couple of weeks, a couple months afterwards. But the point is, you know, this episode starts off with the return of the Mandalorian, which, you know, we, we kind of uh, we try to make a habit of talking about the title, but boy, do they just really lay it out there where yeah. <laughs> last week's episode, the the episode ends with the theme of the Mandalorian and obvious, it's pretty obvious that he's going to be returning, but this still left some room for discussion of, okay, maybe who else? But this, from shot one, it's like, here we are, this is what we're doing, strap in, you know, get excited. Yeah. Even before you click play, you see the title of the episode and you're just like, okay, here we go. You know, did that, is that something that surprised you? Um, I will say I like... In my notes, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like we're we're going to jump into it because there's so much room for uh, with the way that the last episode ended and the way that we have seen this kind of story take its little routes. Um, yeah, it would not have surprised me if it was 
you know, if he gets introduced halfway through, if the if the episode begins with them looking for Din Djarin or uh, with them kind of reaching out and trying, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was surprised, I will say, not in a bad way, that we're just going to jump right into it and that it's, you know, focusing on where he is right now because that was kind of the big question is, okay, that means we're going to see the Mandalorian, whatever he's doing currently, um, and it's the most current thing that we've seen well, what is it going to be? Um, we're just going to go right into it, you know? So that was a, that was a, a big shock for me in a, in a good way. Yeah. I think it, if, if I was to watch, if I was to edit together all of these episodes and watch them like a big movie, to me, it's not shocking at all because it's kind of that old editing trick of, you know, okay. You oh, know, yeah, says yeah. something like we need to call in a few friends and then you hear that theme and it makes sense to immediately cut to, to what that yeah. is. And they do it a few times in, uh, the, the movies too, especially in, uh, like the last Jedi, for example, where, where Finn wakes up from the little cryo sleep that he's in and he mm-hmm. says, where's Ray. And then you immediately cut to Octo and she's, yeah. you know, training with Luke. So it's kind of the similar kind of editing thing to where they're like, we need to pick up some friends. Audience goes, who is that friend? You know, cut to the Mandalorian. So yes. it, it makes sense that that's there, but it also reminds Reminded me of season two of the Mandalorian where, you know, we, a lot of people kind of were like, Oh, is, you know, is it going to be a Ahsoka and Rosario Dawson is, is portrayed as this or cast as this character. And then that episode immediately starts with, you know, Ahsoka, like you don't really kind of dilly dally around. It's just like, just kind of lays it out there, which I think is, then you kind of have the entire episode to settle into it and get, and yeah. get excited for the ride that you're going to go on here. No, no teases uh, here. Yeah. That's how we No like teases, it. no foreplay, just diving right on in. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, this, this episode ends with, with Mando or kind of returning to what he was comfortable with. Um, Mm -hmm. Now that he has returned Grogu to the Jedi and to Luke Skywalker, he kind of just goes back to his old habits where he's fulfilling bounties right now and he's just kind of doing what he knows. Um, Was that surprising for you? Because I didn't really find it terribly surprising. I think that, you know, if you were to ask me, what is Mando up to nowadays? Um, Now that he doesn't have Grogu by his side, I think I would have probably picked this exact thing. Yeah, my first thought would not be that, um, you know, the, the season two of The Mandalorian ends with Bo-Katan saying, well, listen, you've got the Darksaber and now that means that you have this responsibility or you have this leadership role to fulfill. And he's like, OK, I guess I'll jump into that. No, we're not going to see him jumping into that right now. That's, yeah. you know, that's got to be set up. Um, so, yeah. yeah, this is and, and I love the fact that even in this stinger as an opener, um, it is so beat for beat um, what we've seen before in his, I guess, his attitude with his line of work is how he mm-hmm. operates. And this is just yeah. right back to the same thing. And that makes sense because uh, when we see later when he's talking to the armor, like his, he had a mission. He had a, uh, a responsibility with Grogu. And now that that's finished, what's he going to mm-hmm. do? Well, he's still, yeah. you know, he still abides by a creed and still, you know, has this this job so yeah that makes Mm -hmm. total sense yeah you know it honestly reminded me a lot of han returning to smuggling in the force awakens to where you know we don't see him post return of the jedi but when you catch up with him next he's kind of just doing the same thing he used to do with chewy to where he's not really part of the rebel alliance anymore and he kind of ran away from this 
this huge weight and this responsibility of what happened to his son. And he kind of just went back to what he was comfortable with. And I think Grogu really was kind of this catalyst of change for Din Djarin. And now that now that that catalyst has been removed from him, it's really up to him to maintain that. And, you know, it, it you're exactly right. It wouldn't make a lot of sense if Din Djarin was given the Darksaber. And then he's already like, well, time oh, to reunite Mandalorians. Sorry, my bad. No, you're good. Um, it, it would make sense for him to be like, now time to unite all of Mandalorians and reclaim Mandalore. Like he yeah. has to earn that. Like the, he got the Darksaber kind of unwillingly and he was immediately tried to give it up. You know, what did he do? Like the first thing he had it, he like was like, hey, do you want this? I don't want well, he, this. Yeah, so, he also doesn't know anything about it. Like that's yeah. kind of the main yeah. thing is yeah. he's like, yeah. this yeah. is a weird world, you know, and yeah. he has to learn about it. Exactly. And, you know, um, it, it, it makes sense that he's using this weapon that doesn't really have any importance to him and he's just using it as a hammer. And that's really what we get on this mission because he, you know, Din kind of recycles that old, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. Uh, and of course we kind of are familiar with most of the answers to that question. And these people choose the, the, the hard way as opposed to the easy yeah. way. And Din makes good use of that, uh, dark saber that he was just given there and completely obliterates these guys. Like he's, there's that, that one, that, you know, the, the bounty he was trying to, trying to, uh, to get there, throws him on the table and just cuts that dude in half. Like, wow like what no an introduction to just no. wild yeah what an introduction to that character and it's not just the it's pretty cool seeing a mandalorian you know you know rip this dude in twain with a with a lightsaber <laughs> yeah. for a lack of better words like it's pretty sick but it also speaks a lot to the type of character that din is he's been always someone who describes weapons and he literally does it in this very episode as weapons are a part of his religion and that's how he defines himself and so when he's given this this tool which it, i think it more accurately is as opposed to a weapon he's giving this unifying tool and this massive responsibility to wield this symbol to unify mandalore uh unify mandalorians to reclaim mandalore what does he use it as he uses it as a hammer and he essentially mm -hmm. does the same thing that he could have used a vibroblade for or a blaster or the, the whistling birds that he has. He just uses it as a tool to get this bounty and to, yeah. to earn these credits. He's really not appreciating the responsibility that comes with wielding a weapon like the Darksaber. And on that note, it bites him in the ass, uh, but more yeah. specifically in the thigh. In um, the thigh, right there, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, it he shows he, you... Yeah, it shows Go you ahead. that that responsibility and literally the weight of it. Um, yeah, it, it being in hands that that require some more learning. Um, that's yeah. something that I do love about uh, Din Djarin's character is that um, his way of life, his his operation, um, is again and again uh, kind of imposed upon by the fact that he has a very, he is, you know, been raised with a very singular view of things and mm -hmm. has to learn. Um, that's yeah. one of my favorite things about that. And we see a lot more of that in this episode. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about the kind of the thematic, uh, parallels that we have with, 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 um, Din Djarin and Boba Fett, I think it's so interesting. We've talked about before that 
Din Djarin really has been a character to where the sense of responsibility, which I think is a key theme in this episode, the sense of responsibility has always been placed at the, at the feet of, of Din Djarin and yeah. said, okay, yes, you did save this, this kid, but it's your responsibility to deliver him back to his people. Okay, you've been given this massive tool and influential power of the Darksaber, it's your responsibility to unite Mandalore um, or unite the Mandalorians together. And, you know, whereas Boba Fett has all of these responsibilities have kind of been stripped away from him because the galaxy thinks he's dead. The dude crawls out of the desert and now he's like, okay, this is really the first time in my life that I've been able to call my own shots and I've been able to do what I want to do. You know, what does, what does Boba Fett uh, tell black chrysanthemum he's like you got to stop working for these people who are going to get you killed mm-hmm. you know and the first thing that we see denjarin do in this episode is going to work for some low lives who are probably trying to loop him into another job that we see him um you know go back to when he like kind of just plops the head on the table they're like no come sit and he's like peace out i'm out of here <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> he's you can tell that he's kind of sick with this and he's not really i think he is feeling very conflicted cuz he's seen a lot of the avenues that life can give him. We've seen have that opportunity to where, yeah, he could have maybe settled down with Grogu in that village, you know, and, and kind of had a lot more of a quiet life. And now that Grogu is gone and that tethering point for him, he's kind of scrambling and he's kind of just, he just goes back to what's comfortable for him and something that he knows. And that sense of stability is there because it's been removed from him. That Mm -hmm. the thing that he knew was his mission. What did he tell everybody? He's like, this is my mission is to return this kid back to home. That's done now. So now what? He's like, well, I guess I'll just go back and do the thing that I, I'm pretty good at. And it turns out, yeah, he is pretty good with it, but he still has a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And even moving forward from that, kind of where we see um, his, I guess, his responsibility, I thought that that was very interesting. I even, my dad called me about an hour or so ago, um, hour and a nice. half ago, and was like, hey, did you check out that the the episode? What'd you think? And he was, you know, he's yeah. going crazy about it. But even... Like my because dad, your dad is a, a big Star Wars Rebels guy, yeah. Yes, he is. And he was like, I just thought that this was so interesting that he, you know, makes that choice to go back to to whatnot after, you know, after learning about more, you know, Mandalorians and how they're different and this, yeah. this and that. But like you said, he makes that choice that he wants to stay with uh, the armor and the covert yeah. that they have. Um, yeah. that's, that's super, super interesting to me that... Uh, he does have those choices before him, but he's he's yeah. got a way of life that that makes mm-hmm. the most sense to him, and he's still really dedicated to it. And that's what we'll see later on in in uh, in season three of The Mandalorian. Yeah, and it's it's wild that he has been presented with this other even a, another path within the Mandalorians where they're like, you know, you were raised by a cult, right? And then yeah. he's just kind of like, oh, well, anyway, you know, and just kind of returns <laughs> to to what he knew. And he doesn't even confront the armor in this episode, which we will talk about. But yeah, Boba, or not Boba, the Din Djarin returns to this kind of ring city. It's a very Halo-like so design. Awesome. It's so um, awesome. It was was terrific. And something that really, uh, really surprised me was just how far we've come with the volume and the technology there there are a few shots in this that i was just like i told you when i was watching this it was either like mouth agape or smile and it was just mouth agape where i was just like 
I can't believe I'm watching a television show right now. This looks fantastic. It Absolutely. looks great. Where something else would have had so much time and resources and money put into something like this. I know this isn't a cheap technology, but just thinking that we're able to do things like this now and I can watch it at you know at my house on TV, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's one of the cooler designs um for an environment that we've seen in mm-hmm. a long time. I know that's, that's kind of one of the main uh, complaints of the Mandalorian is using the technology that they have. And they're like, okay, another Sandy planet. And totally. it's like, okay, yeah. great. Um, but this mm-hmm. is a very, very interesting, you know, yeah. of course this is in star Wars, right? Where it's, it's yeah. almost like cloud city, but it's in space. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's reminiscent of a lot of like, it's, it's almost to me, it was almost reminiscent of something like space odyssey and interstellar yeah. that kind of has totally. that like, Oh yeah, this would yeah, this would totally be a thing that you would see. It's very, very yeah, impressive. There's also the the that Neil Blomkamp movie uh, Elysium. Like there's something oh God, similar yeah. uh, in yeah. that movie. But yeah, Interstellar ha- also has something uh, similar. But yeah, I'm a big sucker for like a big ring city. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the Halo has it, as I said. Interstellar Elysium, as you said, uh, as uh, Interstellar, as you said. Yeah, there's uh, this is a design that we've seen in sci-fi before. But to see Denjar just kind of walking around this, and then you know we eventually do catch up with uh, the armor and Paz Vizsla and they're kind of like under it a little bit to where they're kind of just like hanging and stuff can fall and Din Djarin has yeah. to like use his jetpack at one point that whole setting made me very nervous I was like there's one point which we'll talk about where Din kind of sets down his jetpack and I was like oh man we're getting serious because if you fall yeah. dude you're falling into space like <laughs> That's forever the, uh, <laughs> I think somebody else put that on Twitter um, because Family Guy has has joked about how there's no handrails in, in Star Wars yes, um, like yes. on the Death Star there's no handrails yep. or anything yeah, and like yeah. Just like an OSHA violation wedding to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And this is absolutely no different. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Din, he he does kind of reunite, or the audience more so, is reunited with the armor and uh, Paz Vizsla, who are the two remaining kind of members of, of, of his clan there. Um, and we are also kind of caught up to what happened to Mandalore during the Great Purge. And this is one of the things, what I was talking about, that was like made in a lab for me to enjoy because I'm a big fan of Mandalorian culture. The Darksaber, mm-hmm. which we've already talked about, is such a big part of that. But also Star Wars Rebels uh, deals a lot on Mandalore and kind of the politics of all of that. And to get this kind of history lesson about what has happened with Bo-Katan and why she didn't accept the, the Darksaber back and what's the situation with that because last time we saw her and Sabine it was a different story you know what's happened since then and to get this little history lesson of the Great Purge was again one of those moments where I was just watching this and I was just like I can't believe I'm seeing this right now like yeah. oh my god <laughs> no that was kind of the same reaction I had but I was just like there we're like going full on into it like that's that's amazing that we get so yeah. much you know so much actual backstory cuz now I feel like we have you know kind of a full uh, at least a, a a layout of you know what has happened to Mandalore and and the, yeah. you know the armor mentions like if if our sect hadn't gone to Concordia, then we wouldn't have survived. And there's yeah. you know all of that stuff that ties back to rebels and mm-hmm. where everybody is. You know when the empire happens and uh, and what the empire did uh, to you know 
the to the rest of Mandalore that how yeah. Moff Gideon got the dark saber and yeah, yeah we have yeah. a mostly complete timeline you know yeah and 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 the armor tells Din that you know Mandalore fell under Bo-Katan's watch uh and which has kind of caused the splintering of the Mandalorians you know which then kind of creates this this cult like the children of the watch to where they're like okay we need to kind of buckle up here you know like or, or you know we 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 need to be a little bit more stringent on the rules and yeah there seems to be you know in this time where they really need to have this unifying force and this t- the time where they need to be unified the most is when they're most divided which i think real world is a really interesting point to make you know Absolutely. like is a is a very one of those it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think about the real world and the fact that you have this group of people who face this terrible injustice or this looming threat in the very time where they need to come together is when they're most divided and one of them is just completely obsessed with rules and dogma of everything that they can't even they can't even go to the other side to to have a conversation because yeah we see in this in this moment it's like this very terminator 2 style like scorched oh God, earth yeah. <laughs> sequence on mandalore where you've got these like security droids these little k2so's that are kind of playing the role of the t-800s from terminator like it's crazy shit man like yeah my god yeah, absolutely <laughs> i i was like oh my like what i what i wouldn't give to to see you know that that kind of like huge bombs dropped on Mandalore with probe droids going down and, and, you know, security droids like wiping out everything else. And there's just helmets scattered everywhere. That is a, that is a Dave Filoni fever, like fever dream, just, you know, kind of in a good way. That's, he's just like, this is, Oh yeah, that's that's the good stuff right this'll there. This will get them. This'll these will get these little <laughs> nerds excited. Absolutely. <laughs> and it did, Dave. It did. It and, did. And, and John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez, all of you guys, you you got the finger on the pulse. Like <laughs> Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's the kind of it's the kind of stuff that gets me it's the kind of references and and things that you were talking about of that rewarding a little bit that is what's perfect um to me about easter eggs and references is that if you don't pick up on it it's not a big deal like it's mandalore it's where they're from okay i get it good cool to where if you have watched star wars rebels or you or you know some of the other things in this episode that we'll we'll talk about if you've played these games or watched these movies or read you know read the comics or whatever you know it's it's watching it and not only is it like oh my god but it's also makes sense thematically and it and mm-hmm. it makes sense for the characters and everything fits together it's not this forced kind of i talk about like reverse engineering to where it's like you know, um, I'm not going to say it because it's that'll be a whole different discussion. But there was something that came out recently to where it feels like, OK, we want this thing to happen. We want this yeah. for the fans. How can we get to that point versus this? It's like this seems like a natural you know, conclusion for things. And and mm-hmm. that's my favorite type of Easter egg and references where everything fits perfectly. You don't have to force anything. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this where it's like, well, there's a good explanation um, for mm-hmm. most, like for most, if not all of these things. And, you know, that, that just, that just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, you know, back with the, the armor in Paz Vizsla, uh, Din is instructed by the armorer to no longer use the Beskar spear and to instead wield uh, the dark saber. So the spear is melted down. 
um, and then decides to make something for Grogu. He doesn't mention him by name, but it's all but said. Um, we don't really get a good look at what he forges there, but it looks like chain mail of some yeah. sort. Like we see little yeah. pieces that kind of fall down, and I think it's something like chain mail and whatever he does make. I assume it's like a little chain mail, chain mail sweater, which is going to look very cute on Grogu. It's going to look uh, amazing. He, they kind of wrap it up in this little package that I don't know about you, but I kind of, it looks like Yoda's head. Like it that's looks the, like yeah, baby Yoda's head. So, yeah. It's so subtle. <laughs> yeah. He kind like of looks this at it look- at one point and I was like, I was holding Grogu and I was like, look, look, it's, it's you. you. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, do you remember like, okay, take your mind back to like oh, circa okay. 2006. You're at, you're, you're in elementary school and you go to the book fair and there's a book on the shelf that is origami Yoda. <laughs> um, here's the thing. I recently, <laughs> I recently, and I'm talking like my last semester of college, I was in an yeah. art class for elementary, for elementary school. And we, one of our like final projects was we had to come up with like our own origami project that we would do with students. And I like literally went on Google cited like origami Yoda and I like figured out how to make it. And then my, like that project that I did was looping in that book as like a lesson plan. And like, I had all of the, like the rest of the, the, my, my, classmates and stuff like we would go around and build yeah. everybody else's origami thing and everybody made origami mm-hmm. yodas and i made one and Cute. it was like incredible yeah did you get a good grade did you get a good grade i did get a good grade i did and now nice. i know how to make an nice. origami yoda so yes i'm nice. there i'm there <laughs> <laughs> nice you got a good grade and you know how to make a paper yoda you should do yeah. that at like a restaurant you should like tie up the little dollar bill i don't know if there's like enough material there but be like a Maybe. little uh, little paper yoda if i if i was waiting a table and i got a paper yoda would make my day and i wouldn't throw it away that's all i have to say okay (laughs) um so yeah after the sequence yeah we don't really get to see what uh dinjarin makes for grogu but uh it seems that he is going to hang on to this and we'll deliver it to him at some point which we will discuss towards the end of the episode uh but we also you know uh the fact that the armor tells him that he's not supposed to use the spear anymore uh, the best guard is to wear not to like use as a weapon which i will argue is not correct. The whistling birds are also made out of Beskar, so that's what I <laughs> don't thought. know what you're talking yeah. about. The armor. That's what I was thinking, and it, they also mentioned that the uh, the hilt of the dark saber is made of made of Beskar. Yeah, um, maybe which there's is interesting. Y- like any good religion, there are some exceptions to their rules that they put in place. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, even if you want to take that and say, hey, thematically, um, there's some sense. holes in their, in their logic. Uh, yeah, there's exactly. a couple of things that don't quite line up and they're just a little bit extremist. Even uh, when yeah. I was talking to my dad about stuff, he had, he had a question about one of the things that the armorer said. And I said, like, legitimately, I see this as kind of a parallel to like, Catholic confession where it's like, we're going there. We're going there. Yeah. Let's like, let's check in with our vows and you know, every week. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Every week you got to, you got to sit down in confession and have you, you know, when was the last time you confessed your sins? Have you sinned since your last confession? Um, I immediately was like, yeah, this is who somebody wrote this and they knew what they were doing because if you know, you know, (laughs) I mean, and it's the the thing that's great about a lot of this kind of stuff is even if that that isn't, you know, intentionally put in there, 
because of our own kind of backstories and our own history with things, you can watch something like this and be like, I actually kind of felt like there was some very serious religious overtones in this, which I know a lot of people think is throughout all of Star Wars, not just, right. you know, the the kind of dogma of things, but throughout the, you know, the balance between the good and the light and all that kind of those big ideas. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I totally understand what you're talking about because uh, there is a, a moment in this where he's kind of asked of this question, you know, which we will get to. We still have a couple more plot points to yeah. uh, to address here some pretty big ones um because we <laughs> we get this moment where den is kind of training with the armor of how to use this blade which a lot of people have posted online but immediately made me think of i'm sure you're right there with me of of uh, kanan and sabine and star wars rebels to where she um, is learning how to use the dark saber and they're talking about your connection and your energy with this blade is going to it, it, it's you have to wield it you know it's not mm-hmm. something that can wield you um it's, it's kind of paraphrasing a little bit there the the clip is kind of circulating online of the exact kind of verbiage that he uses but it's pretty in step with what we see in this which of course when you have somebody like dave filoni involved in this show it's like yeah of course you know <laughs> they're not mm-hmm. gonna it, contradict something in that other show i will say it makes me want to kind of go back to um makes me kind of want to go back to season two of the Mandalorian and yeah. kind of note try to try to notice how Moff Gideon wields the dark saber because yeah. again I wonder if that's something that he was aware of because it, it is canonical that you know the the weapon gets heavier and harder to wield it's more like it wants to rip its way out of your hands the more you yeah. fight against it and again mm-hmm. this is something that that Din Djarin's character is is you know keeps bumping into is you need to be learning more about the world you need to be learning more about these things as you yeah. have these experiences and mm-hmm. you know knowing that there's part of this thing where it's like you have to be harmonious with the world around you you have to be har- harmonious yeah. with objects that you're in possession of and in you know that you're that you're using otherwise they will not work to your advantage that's a world that that Din Djarin is kind of not familiar with that we will see expanded upon again, just learning more about things like that. Yeah. Well, talking about the being in harmony with things around you, it makes sense because you're wielding a weapon that was forged by a Jedi, you know, yeah. and, and this is the same world that has the force and is talking Yoda talks about it pretty explicitly in Empire Strikes Back, where it's all about your connection with those around you in this life. And if you want to go to the Phantom Menace, which this episode does kind of that, you know, that the, 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 that you know, sphere of influence and that, and that, mm-hmm. you know, the, that connection that we all have, that movie is very much um, about that. The symbiote circle, I think as it's referred to in that movie, yes. but the fact that, yeah, this, this, this weapon is something that you have to have the sense of conviction Or I think if you were going to watch Moff Gideon, I don't think that that's something that he's lacking is, is, is conviction mm-hmm. and awareness of what he's doing. I think Din right now is struggling to wield this weapon which you're exactly right, is is this very fantasy, I see it as kind of like an Excalibur kind of um, shades in there to where it Absolutely. is this weapon that you have to have a connection with uh, for you to wield it. Um, Din is 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 in a point in his life to where he's very conflicted. He's very confused. He doesn't really know what to believe in this. He's you know we're going to talk about it, but he's suddenly not a Mandalorian anymore at the end of this episode. You know this this mission and this mandate that he thought was kind of his goal has been fulfilled. So now what? Now he's kind of scrambling. Does he want to use this weapon as a unifying tool, or does he want it to literally? 
literally separate people. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, separate them in twain, you know, like is uh, how does he want to, what type of leader does he want to be? And I talked about this episode is, is a lot with responsibility and, you know, it's kind of also that idea of like heavy is the head that w- wears the crown, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. A, well, it's a, it's a crown that's also a sword, but it's heavy. You know, he's got this massive, heavy responsibility on his shoulders. And right now he's not able to wield it, which ends up immediately getting him, uh, confronted by Paz Vizsla, who's mm-hmm. like, my ancestors made that. I want it. I'm going to take it away <laughs> from you. And they they have this this duel here, which I thought was awesome, uh, was awesome. also inevitable. Also kind of pays dividends to season one of The Mandalorian, several seasons of television to go to where Paz Vizsla, you kind of watch that and you're like, huh, that's a Vizsla. Hmm, yeah. I wonder what that's going to be. And then fl- fast forward several years later and it's like, here you go. Here's the reason, you know, it's, it's, I love it. I love it when it fits, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it does fit. That's the thing is getting that more complete timeline of like, you know, we get, we get the name drops, we get the history of, you know, this was yeah. forged by Tar Vizsla and, you know, when, then we get hints towards Death Watch and we get uh, some more yeah. people yeah. from House Vizsla that are, that are either directly or, or non-directly or indirectly uh, referenced and kind of alluded to yeah. and there's mm-hmm. you know that world building is consistent in a way that that proves fruitful during this uh the, the lead up to this duel yeah and in this duel din is really not very wieldy with this dark saber he we saw at the beginning of this episode he barely can do the job without you know cutting his own leg off and yeah he does end up feeding uh defeating paz Vizla, but he doesn't do it with the dark saber he actually loses it and he's able to defeat paz Vizla with a vibro blade uh, which I think is interesting that you know, even though he won, this still is not a weapon that he has control over, and it's still something that he has a lot of, uh, a lot of learning and a lot of growing to to be able to wield this responsibility and appreciate the power of something like the dark saber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, room there for again. This is all setting up what's going to happen and what's going to take place in season mm-hmm. three of The Mandalorian, um, which is great because I think that was probably one of the main questions at the end of season two is, okay, well, now what does he do with it? Because that's like a big deal. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we get the answers to those questions, which is nice. Absolutely. Um, and then following this duel, the armor asks Din, um, as well as Paz Vizsla, if they have removed their helmets for any reason. Talking about that kind of confessional thing that you were you were talking about there. And Din replies very honestly and says yes, which ends up getting him, you know, stripped of the Mandalorian title to where he's no longer a Mandalorian and he's kind of cast out. Was this something that surprised you or do you think it's kind of the culmination of something that we've been waiting for? Um, I will say that it, it, that's kind of the point where, uh, it was interesting. One, it's, it's, I think it's curious that they basically, they can't say like, oh, well, you're not a Mandalorian. You don't get to wield the dark saber. Like you have to hand it over. That's interesting. But, um, of course that's pretty congruent with what we've seen because, you know, people that have, have wielded it have not been exclusively Mandalorian, um, both of Maul and Moff Gideon. Um, but Again, that that confession of of you know guilt, I suppose, in that creed is you know he mm-hmm. is choosing to be back in that in that covert, um, and like that's kind of the those are the repercussions, those are the consequences for kind of going against their guidelines. It's his choice to be in quote unquote in the like the way, 
Uh, yeah. And he, and he pays the price for it, but yeah. is willing to atone. That's to me, that choice is very interesting and so, so like potent, full of, full of character choice in that, in that moment, because that's what he actually wants to do. I mean, he could say, okay, great. I'm not a Mandalorian anymore. I'll just continue being a bounty hunter. Um, those two things can be separate, but that's not what we see is, you know, his immediate confession is also, you know, pleading for forgiveness and saying, how can I atone? That's really, really strong stuff. Which I think we also was something that is, you know, planting seeds for things that we will see uh, eventually. And the fact that, you know, the entire series of The Mandalorian um, and as well as the book of Boba Fett, to be frank, is what makes you the person that you believe yourself to be. And in in this show's case, as well as seasons one through two of The Mandalorian, uh, what makes a Mandalorian a Mandalorian? What is the way? And Mm -hmm. the fact that this title that he has so stringently defined himself by his entire life has been taken away from him. How is he going to earn that title in his mind? And does he have to go on this perilous journey to Mandalore, um, which seems like a very, also a very fantasy kind of thing. It seems like Mm -hmm. a, a very Lord of the Rings kind of thing that you have to travel to this mythical, you know, desolate kind of location in order to, you know, receive salvation, you know, essentially. Love it. Love it. Um, Does, he, uh, how is he going, you know, now that he's done that, is it just, okay, I did the thing I'm supposed to do. I, I was forgiven. Or is he going to kind of learn because of all of these other Mandalorians that he's inevitably, inevitably going to encounter along the way that there is not just one definitive, the way that there are well, many think, ways yeah. that you can be a Mandalorian. That's obviously kind of the, the conflict that we'll see is, uh, you know, his mission to deliver Grogu to the Jedi was not yeah. just a, okay, I'm on my way. I'm, you know, facing these obstacles, but I will jump over them and I will forget about them when they're gone. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I, will... I had to stop myself so hard when you said I'm on my way. I was really close to being like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> Anyways, but it's that idea of like the journey, right, has, has an end. The end is is just as much part of the journey. Um, but mm-hmm. the journey itself is, you know, where things change, where you learn things. Um, yeah. and this is n- obviously no different for him to say, okay, I'm going to undertake this journey. I'm going to reach point B. I'm starting at point A and that's it. No, of course not. He's going to be on a journey of self-discovery along the way. That's how these things go. That's how these stories go. Totally. Of, okay, you have a mission to get to this place and do this thing. It, yeah. By the time that you get there or by the time you come back, you had better be a different person. Otherwise, yeah. what was the point? That's just yeah. how writing is, you know? Yeah, and I, I've seen a lot of people just pointing out that this episode is, you know, yeah, it's great, but it has no connection with the Book of Boba Fett. And I would point to something like this to where, yes, this episode is a lot about responsibility and the power that you wield. Boba is his name and the mantle and now being the dynamo or the daimyo of Tatooine, how is he going Mm -hmm. to, what kind of leader is he going to be? Same thing with Mando. What type of leader is he going to be? But I think also 
This episode deals a lot with community and relationships and how those change you. Same thing can be said for the book of Boba Fett, probably even more so that, right. you know, Boba has, a, has, has surrounded himself with these allies. And is that going to pay off for him when he needs it to most? Or does he do better solo? Um, you know, I think the, the answer is going to be, <laughs> no, it's you surround yourself with people that you can trust and these relationships will, you know, be a lot more withstanding than just threatening people with fear and that yeah. you're, you know, just wealth and power and, and, and oppressing people. No, surrounding yourself with people who respect you is going to be something that is a lot more, um, you know, a lot more of a, of a, a withstanding kind of yeah. influence there. So yeah, I think that the connective tissue there is, is really, really strong. I did want to ask you though, because I was thinking and then, you know, kind of it's, it's one of those great Star Wars things to where you can like okay well wait why didn't this happen but then be mm -hmm. like okay well oh, oh, why didn't this happen and then kind of think about it but why do you think that the armor you kind of touched on it why do you think that the armor didn't challenge Din Djarin for the Darksaber because she even says oh the Empire had it for you know however long and then they immediately lost it where the Mandalorians had it for hundreds of years I kind of wanted to pause for a second to kind of correct her I was like well there was that time where that Sith Lord guy took it for a little bit so, right. you know there's a well, little asterisk yeah. there but yeah why do you think that the uh, the armor didn't challenge Din Djarin to, to, that she could maybe wield the, the Darksaber herself I think that that is one of the stronger things is that um Clearly, she is aware of the the unifying prophecy, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. She's probably, I would say, the smartest person in the room, you know, when it comes oh, to yeah, that kind of sure. thing. And, um, you know, one of the more important things is that when he asks, you know, how can I atone? And she says, she gives him an answer, you know, when we've talked yeah. about it, she, she gives him an answer of how he can atone instead mm -hmm. of saying too bad, so sad, you know, move your feet, you lose Give your seat. Give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she, she doesn't ask yeah. him to turn it over because, you know, he defended it in combat. He wanted it in combat and then he defended it in combat. And so he has the right to it. If she's going to be the one that says like, you know, no, this is the way that you atone yourself. Um, then her, it's clear that her understanding of the big picture in terms of the, the prophecy of Mandalore is that yeah. Din Djarin, uh, fits into that prophecy somehow more so because he wants to. He wants to be a mm -hmm. part of that that Mandalorian legacy. He wants to be in the covert. He wants to continue yeah. his journey as a Mandalorian. So you know why would she why would she stop him from being the one to unify Mandalore as somebody that is so dedicated to the way and to the creed? You know that's kind of that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing, but also the fact that, you know, yeah, she does see that he could be this unifying force, but I think also you're right that she is the smartest person in the room. She probably knows about Darth Maul and she knows about the Empire, which only goes further to prove her point. I was kind of, you know, kidding when I was talking about the asterisk, yes. but I think she does know about that and would answer, you know, to my criticism, my, my, my sarcastic criticism of, yeah, and what happened to him? He lost it immediately, you know, mm -hmm. so the people who are not worthy of wielding this Darksaber lose it. Look at Bo-Katan, she would probably say, you know, the people yeah. who don't have what it takes are going to lose this power. 
because the responsibility is too great for them and they're they're it's going to slip away they're not able to wield this this and and carry this responsibility on their shoulders so i think she's giving din Djarin this opportunity to where it's like okay if you think you're the guy and you think that you that you deserve to be here and you deserve to be a mandalorian and you deserve to wield the dark saber prove it and if you know worst case scenario you don't deserve to wield it great it's going to go to somebody who does and maybe they don't deserve it and then it's going to go to somebody and then on and on and on you know that's that's i think she's a true scholar of mandalorian history and so she knows that it'll kind of play its course out and i don't think that she's you know egomaniacal enough to be like actually it's me i deserve to unify uh, all of of mandalore together I, i don't think that that's necessarily the case no and and i totally agree there's you know we even that was one of the things that I was thinking was when Paz Vizsla challenges uh, Din Djarin, she's kind of like, all right, yeah, go for it. Like, what? show us what you got. And that's yeah. just the course that it takes, you know? Yeah, um, and exactly. Then she's, the one, yeah. she's the one to say like, all right, you tried, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so much to to talk about there, and it's it's funny that we're like not even that far into the episode. We like <laughs> already talked about Lex because it's just there's so much there. Again, I was watching this and I was just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. Luckily, uh, but, I would say luckily the next half of the episode is just mostly cool stuff. You know, we we totally, don't get a lot yeah. of thematic stuff. It's just cool. It's but there. Anyways, it's there. Yeah. But this the, the 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 dense part of it is definitely up top. But yeah, so uh, like we talked about, you know, um, you know, Dins is is cast out. He's no longer a man. Lorian. So where does he go? Well, he's going to go back to what he knows and he's going to go back to Tatooine and kind of be like, well, I guess I'll just keep doing that old bounty hunter thing. But in order to do that, I got to get some wheels, so to speak. And now that the uh, Razor Crest is gone, Din has to take public transport, which <laughs> I so thought funny. was hilarious, like on multiple fronts, because not only do you get that, the droid from uh, Star Tours, uh, whatever yep. that, that droid's name is, but that same model, we we see some uh, uh, hanging out in, in the bar in the Book of Boba Fett too. But we get that same model of droid who is like checking bags, essentially. Um, Din Djarin has to go through TSA. <laughs> and yeah. there's that, that, of course, that funny little like okay hand out your weapons and he just kind of like puts them all you know he, he's he like I, I know exactly yes yeah, <laughs> i know exactly what is in this crate it's it's <laughs> funny he like you know takes out every weapon known to man but yeah that was great and i love the fact that din has to take the bus essentially you know <laughs> yeah yeah and there's like there's that kid that turns around and looks at you all the time whenever you're on the bus and you're just like yeah. oh my god shut up uh but yeah. it's, a, it's a funny little cute moment yeah, like the little Rodian turns around and is yeah. like, you know, of course, looking at the, um, you know, the little, uh, the the guy behind you kicking the seat, that that <laughs> old kind of thing. And it was, yeah, it was just funny to see, uh, to see like the the mund the mundanity, the the, the mundanity. The, how do you pronounce sure. that word? Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, even the, know. The, the um it is a word i just i'm just an idiot um but the the <laughs> mundane kind of uh life that we all kind of lead in the normalness of things and then to see this super kick-ass cool bounty hunter just kind of just going through tsa i thought that that was hilarious yeah very good stuff yes um so yeah of course din Djarin returns to tatooine um i wanted to ask you here but you know i kind of already uh said my my piece a little bit but do you think there's a particular reason that he goes to tatooine other than you know pelly telling him that hey i've got a ship for you here do you think that that's the only reason or do you think there's a little bit more there um i would say it makes sense for him to return there because he's got his connection there um but more than anything and we do see a little bit later 
Um, he is not in a good spot with, uh, most people that are, that would recognize him in the galaxy. Um, he's Mm -hmm. not in a good spot with the new Republic, uh, because there were, there were issues involving, um, some like defunct Imperial things that he might've been involved with. And he's somewhat on the run, you know, at least maybe, uh, wanted for questioning. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it makes sense for him to be like, okay, well, I've got this connection here where I'm not going to be disturbed by any officials or law enforcement or whatever. Um, so I've, I've got my connection on Tatooine. That's where I'm headed. That makes the most sense to me, honestly. It's not just a, oh, he needs to go there because plot. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Practically, it makes a lot of sense for him to go there. But I think also thematically for his character, you know, he's going back to this kind of hive of scum and villainy to Mm -hmm. to get resources and to get money and to get jobs and to do that thing that he's kind of always done is just get jobs until you go to the next thing and keep getting credits and credits and credits. He kind of needs all of these things because he's got a big trip ahead of him and he needs to to have a ship. He can't take the bus all the way to Mandalore. You know, that's not really going to (laughs) happen. I'm sure they don't Um, even fly out there. They probably don't. You have to get like three connecting flights. The layovers would be ridiculous. Ugh, it would nightmare. just be a huge pain. Yeah. I did think it was funny because we do catch up with that Rodian family later and they're like leaving Tatooine. And I mm-hmm. thought that that was great. I was like, oh, they're on a connecting flight, which is also like <laughs> another very real world, you know, because they land in Tatooine and then leave. They're probably going somewhere else. But right. again, another very funny real world kind of like, yeah, you know, that public oh, transport business. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the layover must have, maybe they were visiting. What do you think? Do you think it was like a layover situation? Because they're flying by the time Din Djarin fixes what we'll talk about, fixes this ship. So yes. that was, it was either a very long layover or they had already finished their business. What do you think is up with the Rodian family? Do you think they were just there for in Tatooine for a day or two? Or do you think it was like a connecting flight situation? Personally, I think it was a connecting flight situation only because we are under the impression in this kind of montage time lapse of them fixing the ship. I feel mm-hmm. like they're, they don't give the impression that this has taken very much time at all, maybe over yeah. the course of a day. Um, yeah. and so it makes sense if I was to leave the airport early in the morning, I'd get there, you know, I'd get to tattooing in the early afternoon or morning. And then by, yeah. you know, by the evening, it's like, okay, now it's time to get on my flight. Got to go to wherever, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's I, a layover I, I, situation. Yeah, I think if you were just going to like talk, you would do kind of like you just make a phone call, you know, and you would just kind of relay the information you need. But I think maybe they're picking something up or they they need to go somewhere or doing some kind of situation like that. Hell, maybe they're like smugglers and they're just taking the bus, you know, maybe the kids. Um, But yeah, he's a mule. He's a mule. Ooh, uh, ooh. That'd be sad. <laughs> that'd be very sad. You just find out that he's actually like the leader of this crime syndicate and Dinjar and <laughs> has the dark saber. He's just like He's like, all right, yeah. time to get split in twain. Actually, that kid is a as a clone of Snoke, if you didn't know. Yeah, that's oh, actually great. that's Snoke where confirmed. We're okay. <laughs> great, great. Uh, so the remainder of this episode finds Din and Pelly, who are we are with Amy Sedaris, who returns in this episode here, repairing an N one Starfighter with the help of a BD droid. Lot if you just to, know, okay, um, hold on. If you yeah, proposed, say, there's a lot to, to dive in here. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if you proposed that sentence to me, if you said like, can you imagine the Mandalorian goes to Tatooine to you know get his very own Nubian N1 starfighter and yeah. is helped by a BD droid? Uh, that sentence in and of itself is like, oh my god, yeah, what kind of was, fan um, fiction is this? Honestly, yeah. 
I was just waiting for to Din to be like, eh, Nubian, right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like I talked about you know, a couple of times now that this episode felt like it was made specifically to be my shit. And mm-hmm. I say that because the N1 Starfighter is my favorite ship in Star Wars. I know and it is. BD, BD-1 from Jedi Fallen Order is my favorite droid in Star Wars. And so to see these two very specific things <laughs> <laughs> happen within moments of each other, I was just like, I went through quite a journey because we, we see the BD droid, which I was like, what (laughs) just like uh, uh. (laughs) yeah and then it immediately gets taken out by this uh this little womp rat was i assume is what it is but i was just like again it's one of those things if you've never played a a moment of jedi fallen order it's not it's just like a cute little droid thing neat but playing that droid and and having such a connection with bd1 i was just like Oh my god, I was just so excited. I was thrilled to see... I know it's not BD-1, but it's like a BD unit droid, and to see this acknowledgement of this game that I love so much was just like... uh, I was just over the moon. And then this immediate like other emotion that I had of... There was this the ship with a tarp over it, and it kind of looked like a pod racer for a second. I was like... I thought it was a Y-Wing. Oh God! Can you imagine Din flying around a Y wing, like a slow, <laughs> yeah, a slow bomber Y wing? That would be hilarious. I, I saw the but... two, like the the two engines on the side, like the couplings on the side, and I was like, that looks like yeah. a Y wing, you know? Yeah, but you know, I thought it was like a pod racer for a second. I was like, Pelly, what are you doing? You can't take a pod <laughs> racer to space. Like that's not Could helpful you? at all. Who knows? I pr- I don't know. Anakin gets pretty high in the Phantom Menace, but yeah, the, the 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 reveal that it's an N one starfighter, I was just like. Oh my God, that's even better. You know, like yeah. it's just this, like, oh my gosh, it was, was, was terrific. What a surprise to see Again, something like this. And, you know, my dad asked about it too. Um, not only is it great fan service, uh, and a great callback, but it is, they mentioned it's pre empire, which is something that Din Djarin asked for specifically. Um, yeah. so that like, that makes sense. It fits in, totally. you know? Well, I think go with me here, but okay. I think it doesn't it doesn't make sense but in the best way in the okay. best best way is it your, zigs is your when you expect hat on no it's not no no it's not like that but i think okay. it zigs when you would expect it to zag because okay. for me i was going to ask but i i will answer my own question then I'll, I'll i'll kick it over to you but i think what this ship specifically means for din's character is something really unexpected right i can't think of a more different ship then the razor crest with the n1 starfighter it's like a slick fast handmade regal ship mm-hmm. that fits a guy you know no yeah. I, I don't think there's a trunk on the thing compared with the razor crest which is this big mean you know, uh, essentially like truck, like it fits, like you can fit a, 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 an entire, you know, gaggle of bounties on there. We see him literally has like a tailgate's gotta be insane. Yeah. He's literally got like a coat rack of people on, Mm -hmm. you know, if frozen in carbonite, like a little binder there of people in carbonite where this, it's like, he's got room for a droid. Maybe a person can fit up there. Maybe that the Rodian kid can fit in there. But other than that, not much, you know? And so this, this ship that we see in this, I thought it was really funny that, you know, Din Djarin is, is, is lost his kid in the divorce. You know, he's, he's lost his job essentially. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not he got kicked out of the family now. Yeah. And uh, he kind of is going through a little bit of a midlife crisis right now. <laughs> he and is. he goes to this he goes to this planet to build this really fast car, which is essentially like the <laughs> you know the equivalent of like a Corvette. You know. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. Putting it like that, that's very that's good. I like but it. what I was what I was saying though with like the thematic importance of this ship is that this ship is handmade for a higher purpose and yeah. it's this very regal ship and what is Dinjarin wearing on his entire body it's things that are significantly important to a culture and it's also handmade for him mm-hmm. and I think that this clean metallic armor that he wears in season one of the Mandalorian is very similarly emblematic to how this ship is, is it's kind of a fresh start for him and the ship that he has, you're not going to be able to do much else with that ship other than bounty hunting. You know, that is a ship that was made and maintained specifically for bounty hunting, you know, and the fact that he has this other ship that is so impractical. That's what I was talking about of the the zigging as opposed to zagging. It is so, so not made for bounty hunting that I think he has kind of no other choice than to do something other than this, because how is he supposed to bounty hunt in this? He can't, you know, he has no options. Right. He can't just cram a, a block of carbonite in the, in the astromech port, you know, that's exactly. not really, it's not really how that works. Um, which is, it's interesting that, you know, he's so opposed to it at the beginning because he's like, well, I don't need, I don't need a, a starfighter. I need, I need a spaceship, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and then comes around to it knowing, you know, how well it fits who he is going to turn out to be, um, is yeah. kind of how I see it. So you're totally right. Um, that for his character, oh, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> for his character, it's such an interesting choice that it's just like you, when you know, you know, you know, you pick out the one that fits and you're like, Oh, I didn't really, I didn't really think this was the right fit for me. Um, it's, yeah. you know, it's cramped, it's small, it's, it's uncomfortable, totally. it's jerky. The maneuverability is, is way yeah. off from what I'm used to. Um, that reminds me of just a, a little tangent. Um, there's a great episode of how I met your mother, uh, where, uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character, uh, is, yeah. uh, spoilers, I guess, uh, is getting married. <laughs> uh, and he complains about the suit that he had that was tailored specifically for the wedding. And he's like, it doesn't okay. feel right. It's scratchy it's uncomfortable it's like too big on the sleeves whatever and then by the end of the episode they're like you know what if that suit was the right suit for you all along you were just resistant to the fact that it was made just for you and it's it's the one suit that you have to choose for the rest of this time and then by the end of the the episode like the suit fits perfectly it's a perfect fit um yeah that's kind of the that's what that made me think of is like this is going to show um a change in character you know Totally. Yeah. It's, it really is this, this literally clean kind of pristine, fresh start for him and an opportunity Mm -hmm. to do something, you know, really different and, and to, to lead this different lifestyle where if he had this old ship, I think those old habits would, would start to, um, would start to reform. But yeah, it was so great seeing this entire ship sequence this mod montage sequence because not only do we get some great some uh, great bd action which i was thrilled to see i want to know what um, that little guy's name real, is yeah real quick i was gonna say mini tinfoil hat is that bd1 okay. they don't nah. they don't ever say his name um like in yeah in the, i think in the i think yeah. episode I don't think that they do, but I also don't think it's, I don't think it's BD one. I think, well, there's, I mean, we obviously so don't was, know what happens. Yeah. With uh Jedi fallen order too, yeah. but yeah, we'll see. 
I, I was watching a, a little short clip of a breakdown of something that, that showed that uh, BD1, in like his introduction in Fallen Order, he has a tiny little broken foot. Uh, his foot is busted uh, in yes. Jedi Fallen Order. And then in this, the BD unit has like a bad foot as well. Um, Interesting. Which maybe that's just a nod, but who knows? Who knows? Tinfoil hat you know, removed. I think it'd be a little bit of a stretch, but you know. Yeah, and it's hard because you can't even like look at the the can't like the you know the paint job because BD's paint job is different throughout the game yeah. itself, you know. So yeah. like yeah, it's hard to see. Um, I did really. I know Din is kind of you know had this uh, hesitancy towards droids, but I was like, please just hop on his shoulder, and Pelly would be like, it seems like you guys have this deep connection. Go ahead and take him with him. You like you I need wish. another companion oh, after that I one. Wish. So yeah, if he could just have BD one and join him for the rest of the series and the rest of my life, that'd be terrific. Just like please, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> please. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So um. You know, Pelly. Uh, oh, also, I wanted to mention we get to see a gonk droid do gonk droid stuff, which is great. Yeah. Like, I love when we see a gonk droid like actually like power up a ship and like be mm-hmm. a big walking battery. That's like my favorite. <laughs> yeah, they they because, they utilize them, and we hear the gonk droid talking and whatnot. If you if you want to call yeah. it that, um, but yeah. gonks serving their purpose. Always love to see it. It's the best. And yeah, so uh, Pelly encourages Din to kind of take the ship out for a test drive a little bit, uh, which he does, and. Like I said, this episode was full it's of my coolest. mouth agape and it's then the other moments where ever. I'm just smiling like a child. And this was one of those childlike smiled moments to where the, oh God, this even just saying it out loud is crazy where a Mandalorian is taking an N one starfighter and he's flying it through Tatooine and beggars Canyon and passes yeah. like the service ramp that Anakin used in the, the Phantom Menace, which still has like the debris there from like yeah. the, the little fence there. And he's just like, Oh my God, just what good stuff. What good right. stuff. <laughs> there, there's, and there's obviously the parallel. Oh man, I just dropped my water bottle. Uh, there's you're, obviously you're so the, excited. You're throwing water yeah, around. <laughs> yeah. There's obviously the parallel there where he's like, I, I don't even know how to like, how do I control this? And they're like, oh, you got to kind of relax and, and let yeah. it, you know, be a harmonious thing. I feel like that oh, goes weird. without saying that weird. it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> parallelism with a lot of stuff like that. Um, hmm, yeah. Darksaber, anyone? Anyways, yeah. yeah. It's just And then, you know, he finally gets control of it, which is great. Yeah, I was, it was, yeah, I was just crazy watching that. And, you know, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, a lot of this new Star Wars stuff, especially with the movies, were a little gun shy on prequel inclusions and including yeah. things that are from the prequel era and Mandalorian was too, which isn't terribly surprising because historically a lot of people who were upset with the Phantom Menace and were able to go to the theater when those movies came out in Attack of the Clones too, they were of an older age, you know, older than or you or I, where I was a couple months old when the Phantom Menace came out, you know? Yeah. So when you have people like JJ Abrams or, you know, Chris Terrio or John Favreau or whatever, a lot of those filmmakers are just from a different era, whether they hate the prequels or not. I know John Favreau has been open that like it's not his favorite, but I think they would agree that their version of Star Wars that is fresh in their mind is the original trilogy. And so it's really cool seeing that blatant inclusion of stuff that you and I grew up with. I grew up with yeah. all of Star Wars, but this specific era scratches that little nostalgic itch and i've yeah, I told I just, you I, yeah i was raised on pod racing like that's just totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and Toys i told, we talked about it um we talked about it when uh no way home w- came out and i think the they've 
they've posted some official uh, marketing for that, including this and mm-hmm. done interviews and stuff. So I feel free, you know, if you haven't seen the movie spoilers, but I feel pretty, you know, I, I think I can spoil it openly, yes. but having Tobey Maguire in that movie is one of the very rare examples that I can think of to where nostalgia from my childhood has been recontextualized for our modern audience. And, and it's not a huge deal, but seeing Camino in, in the book of Boba Fett and seeing pod racing and seeing the in one starfighter and having that being a, a literal vehicle for nostalgia is yeah. crazy to me. And the yeah. fact that, you know, Obi-Wan, I think there's something to be said that that's something that's coming out soon and is very much appealing to my generation to where it's people who grew up on this. I'm still just not used to that yet. And Star Wars has always been something that has been nostalgic and in, in been has nostalgia baked into it, even from the first movie and having like the, you know, the Buck Rogers uh, kind of space, you know, uh, pulp serial adventure kind of, of angle to it. But now that this kind of new ver- uh, generation of Star Wars is including things that came out when you and I were a kid, I'm still not quite used to it. Uh, and it still gives me like that childlike smile to where I feel like I'm a kid, like you said, and just like you're on your couch or on your favorite chair with your toys and you're just watching this and you're just like, wow. Like, uh, just, oh my wow, goodness. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, and I, I, I have hope that the more content that we get, I think we're just expanding the fact that all of Star Wars will kind of be wrapped up into that nostalgia idea um, yeah. at a certain point where we'll just get, we'll get content that's like, oh, that's just from back then. Cause this is, this is modern Star Wars. I mean, this is where we're yeah. at right now. Yeah. Um, so looping in all of those things as they kind of become the nostalgic canon all in one area, that'll, that'll yeah. happen a lot more, you know, in, in the yeah. future. Yeah. And like we talked about, this isn't just oh, there's that thing that I recognize from my childhood. Clap, clap, clap. I'm so happy. It's like, no, it's it makes sense for the character. It's chosen for a reason. And I see the thematic importance of every single choice of nostalgia in this game. Other, or not this game, uh, in this in the show, other than BD1, which I was just thrilled to see. Like, I, I, I have no, I have no, like, the deeper reason that he is in the show. I'm just, I saw the thing that I liked and it made me incredibly happy. So don't take yeah. that away from me. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, while Den is 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 uh, testing out this ship, he kind of buzzes uh, this uh, uh, New Republic kind of cruiser, the bus that he was taking earlier, and which earns him the attention of some some New Republic kind of traffic cops, which mm-hmm. is actually Carson Teva as well as Lieutenant Reed. And fun fact about Lieutenant Reed, he's actually portrayed by Max Lloyd-Jones, who is the same actor that portrayed Luke Skywalker in season two of The Mandalorian. Yes, I um, knew that. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this moment here because Carson Teva says that he kind of recognizes Din Djarin's voice here, but I kind of wanted to ask you about the state of the 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 New Republic and mm-hmm. what these these uh you know their their involvement with what's happening on Tatooine, keeping in mind what's been happening in the Book of Boba Fett. What do you think that their engagement or their involvement or lack of involvement means uh, for this show and uh, for the uh, New Republic? Well, they, they mentioned something. Uh, so, uh, what's her name? Uh, Pelly mentions yeah. that the Pikes have started to take over, um, some territory with their spice running. Um, and yeah. she makes specific mention that the, that lo- law enforcement, uh, is, you know, too scared to do anything. Um, and yeah. this kind of, uh, again, bolsters the idea that the new Republic could really care less about, 
um, what's happening in the outer rim and that more of those things are, are, you know, frustrating because they involve paperwork, um, and they have very little to do with, with what's going on out there. Um, Mm -hmm. to me that, that kind of shows that there's a, a lack of, uh, I would say a lack of involvement in a lot of places. It, I think it sets up very well, kind of the, I'm not sets up, but maybe just uh, strengthens a little bit of the uh, development of what's happening in that yeah. realm. Um, it's it's yeah. a really good, nice little touch where what they're really concerned about is paperwork, you know? Totally. Well, it could be something like that too, but I also think, you know, reading something like, like Bloodline, and which gives us like details, which we don't know a ton about the New Republic and how it operates, but we do know that there is corruption happening. And just like real world politics, if, you know, uh, certain politicians are financially incentivized to act or not act in uh, whatever realm uh, that interests, you know, the the party that is paying them, they're going to do so. And, you Mm -hmm. know, just like in the real world, if you have these supporters and these donors who are giving you money to, you know, hey, you know, support this bill or don't support this bill, you're going to have these people who are influenced and these corrupt politicians. So even though the show doesn't provide like an exact answer of why the New Republic isn't involved in there, I think that that's very clear that you have these very influential, powerful people who are, you know, operating their businesses out here. And, you know, uh, it's just like how the, um, the 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 republic uh back in the the prequel era wasn't doing any, anything about slavery you yeah. know there are there is a lot of corruption going on and there are you know kind of this willingness to kind of turn a blind eye to to what's happening out here um and i think that you know yeah we don't really get an exact clear cut answer but i don't think it's uh, it takes a, a rocket scientist to kind of uh to connect the dots here you know yeah that's i think that's probably the main thing here is the reason that we're seeing any kind of conflict at all on Tatooine is because you have somebody like the mayor and the major domo who are yeah. kind of in league with the with the main antagonist of the people terrorizing uh, certain parts of Tatooine. And I think it's interesting that totally. Pelimoto makes mention of you know saying like everything's gone to hell since the Pikes came in. Um, yeah, and you know we'll see more of that conflict, obviously, but it is interesting taking a look at it from saying, well, the new Republic should be out there. Right. Um, and knowing that, that there's probably some dirty dealings happening. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good place for this. Totally. Yeah. And it sets up this looming battle that, you know, Boba's going to have to fight not by himself, but with these allies. And this seems like the allies that he's going to have is not necessarily going to be the uh, Republic. Would this question have been more thoroughly answered in Rangers of the New Republic? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we Mm -hmm. will still get that story, but not at the time being. Um, so Din Djarin, uh, takes the uh, ship back to Peli, uh, and she asks how it was. And he (laughs) replies that it was wizard, which was, uh, you know, is, one of the coolest no, things no I've notes. ever seen yeah. in, in, in recent history. Yeah, that might be. Yeah. Yeah. No notes. Like I just was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's just not something that you, 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 I was expecting at all for, for that word to come out of Din Djarin's mouth. Uh, but nonetheless it did. And I, I'm again, being a prequel kid, I was just, I had to just, I had to just sit there and smile. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, uh, yeah. So when, 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 uh, Din returns to, uh, 
returns to Pelly here. Fennec Shand is waiting for him uh, and asks for his help uh, in fighting the uh, looming war with Boba Fett and the Pikes. Um, Din says that he will join them at no cost, um, but he needs to visit a little friend first. So let me ask you here, what do mm-hmm. you think that, what little friend do you think he's referring to and how do you anticipate that playing out? Uh, I think he's referring to the little friend that I have sitting out on my couch right now, uh, nuzzling Kitster. with his pillows. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he said wizard. Um, it's right there in the text, man. <laughs> yes. No. Um, so obviously we're going to get uh, later down the road, we are going to get uh, some notes as to what uh, the Mandalorian is going to be uh, doing with Grogu, where he'll visit yeah. Grogu and, and the present that he'll give him. And so I, I feel like this maybe sets up the fact that um, that maybe we have one more episode of No Mandalorian, but with Boba Fett, maybe he'll be like, yeah, I got to go do this real quick. I'll be back in a couple yeah. days. Um, yeah. And we'll come back for the last episode um, where this will certainly culminate. I think that just that just makes sense. I mean, he's he's got his wheels now and he's got, you know, kind of this this own personal mission. He's he has his like personal mission of saying, like, well, I want to go do yeah. this. You know, mm-hmm. I want to go check in on Grogu. Um, not because Anybody is dictating me to do so, not because this, but because I want to, because I can. Now I have the wheels to do so, um, and they're fast. You know, they're those wheels are some fast wheels. So I'm sure yeah. he will be back in no time. Um, but I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's really great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, very much so joking with the Kitster thing, but yeah, he's definitely going to visit Grogu. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> the the thing that interests me is. Uh, twofold and, and we'll talk about it of you know how this is going to play out in this in the book of Boba Fett specifically but him visiting Grogu I could see it going either way to one he does visit him but it doesn't really go the way he expected to or two he doesn't actually get a chance to track him down I think either is really interesting because it's not like he can just plug in Google Maps you know Luke Skywalker's house and just go on right. over there um, you know he's kind of I assume Luke is a little bit more isolated there and maybe he's wanting Grogu to have a bit more isolation too, to where it's like, no, he's training. Don't know if you've noticed, but a pattern in Star Wars that a lot of Jedi train in isolation, particularly in this era. You know, it's not like the the prequels where they're in the, oh, where are they? Yeah, they're in the giant building over there. Just go knock on the door, you know, call right. the receptionist there. Call Jocasta New and she'll, she'll schedule you in for an appointment. <laughs> oh, she got you the know? job? Oh, that's so nice. Oh, I was really rude <laughs> yeah, she, She's no longer the librarian. She is now the receptionist, yeah, with her giant lightsaber gun that she has in the comics. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that this is going to be an opportunity where Din is maybe going to learn that that side of his life and that point of his life is, is over and that bandaid that needs to be ripped off is going to be a hard one. And I think it's also one that the audience is going to be right there with him because, you know, a lot of people's entry point into this Mandalorian was baby Yoda, you know, where he was everywhere and still is everywhere, even though the show is like. Yeah, a couple seasons, you know, that was a couple of years ago when season two ended or how long ago it was. I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore. But, um, you know, like I think a lot of audience members when they're returning for Mando season three are expecting to see Grogu. And this can be an opportunity for them to kind of go on the same path as as Mando and to, mm-hmm. to say, no, this 
letting go and, and, and going on a new stage in your life is very natural and you need to let him have this opportunity in the sense of growth that you also frankly need to go through too. I think that that's, um, probably what's going to play out, but um, I'm very curious to see that nonetheless. But I also wanted to ask you, you'd kind of uh, said what you had hypothesized, but I really don't want the remainder of this season to, you know, evolve to be just Mandalorian season, you know, three. Um, I would yeah. like the remainder of this to really play out and be about Boba Fett. And, and this episode can be that interlude, but I'm not wanting this to just completely change the course of the show and just to be something totally different and new than what I was originally expecting. I still want this series to wrap up with Boba Fett yeah. and to be his show and to maybe that journey that Din takes is addressed in season three. Um, but yeah, I'd be totally fine with next week's episode just you know, having no Dinjarin and then he comes back and then we see that mission that he went on. I'd be very curious to see that. But yeah, my I, I I would hate for this to just morph into, oh, it's the Mandalorian, but Din, uh, Boba Fett is also there too, you know, especially because right. this is a show that I really thoroughly am enjoying and the story that we are getting uh, with Boba here. And I think that's the thing is we're not uh, necessarily tied down to the uh, the thematic flashbacks right now. I think we're at the point where the last couple episodes are going to have to really um, drive most of those points home with what's happening mm -hmm. currently. Um, and I, and I thoroughly expect it to do so. I have no doubts yeah. um, that that would be something that, that the writers and directors have taken advantage of and saying, okay, here's where we are going to climax things. Here's where we're going to wrap things up. Um, and show how all of this has culminated into one thing um, because we have gotten a very, very concise picture so far. Everything has yeah. threads that, that are all connected. There's no loose ends. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not worried about next week's episode. I think that we're going to get uh, plenty of Boba Fett uh, stuff that <laughs> that's going to matter, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so uh, thrilled to see where this can go. This episode, you know, it was an unexpected detour, um, one that I really, really loved. And, you know, just like um, in, in The Bad Batch, there's an entire episode of that show to where when you watch it, you're like, where's the, the, the titular heroes of this yeah. show? You know, there's an entire episode of The Bad Batch that they're barely in it at all, mm -hmm. if, you know, if at all. And, and to watch the entire season, you understand the importance of it. I'm, I'm really hoping the fans who were a bit hesitant on this episode, um, I think mostly people are very overwhelmingly positive. But even the people who loved this episode but were a bit more like, this is a great episode of The Mandalorian, but it's not a good episode of The Book of Boba Fett. I'm right. hoping that these last two episodes will be able to really tie it into them um, in a nice little picture. Uh, and yeah, I can't wait uh, can't wait for next week. And it's going to come um, sooner rather than later. And I'm just so looking forward to Tuesday night, snuggling up on the the, you know, the old couch there with my, my blanket, just like you, and just ready. Because this, the, wow, what an episode this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will be watching uh, not on Tuesday night because <laughs> cannot stay up you, until you 3 a.m. You mean at 3 a.m. watching watching Star Wars? Oh, why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just not not on the cards anymore, but not anymore. Yeah. Well, I do not have any more thoughts. I mean, I do. I could go on longer, but this is a pretty <laughs> long episode as is. Uh, but do you have any more thoughts on uh, the return of the Mandalorian? Uh, no more. No more thoughts other than what we've already what we've already covered. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, go ahead and wrap us up and we'll take us home. 
All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head on over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at ScumVillainPod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys.